We are returning to public session. We are now at item 6.1, announcement of items from closed session. There is one, one item to announce. The uh, board unanimously accepted the 2016-2017 contract and regular faculty evaluations. 6.2, Pledge of Allegiance. Kelsey, would you lead us? Six point three adoption of the agenda. We do have a couple of adjustments here. Item thirteen point four. Four quarterly financial report is being taken off so that uh, there could be a, some additional work done and be coming back next month. And items 11.5 and 11.6 have been requested to move those up, and those will be now heard right after 11.1. Is that correct, Carolee? So those changes are made. Thank you. And with that, are there any other? Be no other changes. The agenda would be adopted adopted by consensus. We have uh, item seven seven public comment general. At this time, we will devote a total of up to fifteen minutes for comments to the board of trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future agenda item. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Individuals will be limited to a five-minute presentation. And we're going to start with the speaker cards that I've got here in my hand, and then we will continue if there are some other people in the audience that would like to speak. Uh, first, we have Dan DeGardi. Good evening, board. It's a little strange. I've really missed the comfortable seats, I'll tell you, after sitting there. <laughs> when I walked in, I said, God, they're back from closed session already. <laughs> Should have known better. Anyway, I'll read by the statement I've prepared. Uh, good evening, board, and thank you for the opportunity to address what I consider to be very important, the TIP program. For those of you who are new to the board and weren't here when I spoke on this before, TIP stands for Trades Introduction Program. The North Bay Building Trades received a state grant to partner with community colleges for an introduction program to give interested applicants a taste of the various crafts. I want to thank Dr. Kraft and Eric Shear for facilitating this cooperation. I want to thank the board for approving the MOU that made this happen. And I especially wish to thank Carrie Ruffley, who did the legwork to secure the class and shop spaces and was at all the steering committee meetings. Let's give Carrie a hand right here. She really did a lot of work. 
As in all new endeavors, there's a learning curve. I think we could have done a better job of publicizing TIP. They, it was designed for 20 students. They could have accommodated up to 30, and I think there's, there was a couple of self-terminations, and I believe the final number is 16 graduates. But, that's, they, but they're on their way to a career. But it turns out there's an, there is enough money in the, in the kitty to uh, hire a marketing firm. The next stop is Santa Rosa JC, so it's going to be marketed a little better with radio stations and social media and such. And that's, that's the design, is to go to Santa Rosa next, then Solano. And uh, Mendocino College has been asking about it, but uh, on the committee we're slightly ambivalent because most of the work there's very little work up there, for one, and most of that work is done by out-of-town contractors, so it's kind of a, uh, do we train people for non-existent jobs, you know, so there might not be enough money for Mendocino. So that, I've asked the question, what do we do to make this a continuing program if we're able to get more grant money? And the thought is to, uh, instead of going to every college to do it regionally, like uh, there would be Marin and Santa Rosa, Napa, Solano, and um, uh, what was the other one? I guess just those two, and then that way we would be able to accommodate more students. And I'm not sure what campus. It's just kind of in the thought process right now. But my main reason for reporting on this tonight is to announce that the graduation ceremony will be this Saturday, February 11th, from 1 to 3 in the community room, well, I hope that any board member who can make it will attend. It would mean a lot to the graduates. And you'd get another opportunity to hear me speak if you haven't heard it enough already. So I'll be there to briefly speak. So uh, if there's no questions, I want to thank you for your time. It's one to three. I know it's kind of short notice, but uh, the class just ended uh, last week, I guess. Is that it? Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Hey, I'd like to stay longer, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Next, we have Conchita Mariusz. Thanks so much for the opportunity to speak here tonight. My name is Conchita Marusic, and I'm a member of the Latino Outreach Committee of the Democrats of Napa Valley Club. Right now, there is mass confusion going on in the United States as far as what's going on with our immigrant community. The, California, the, Cal, the state of California is standing in support of the undocumented as well as those who are documented who are having problems under the recent ban. While the feds under Trump have been threatening bans and deportations. While we wait for the dust to settle, we wish to affirm our support for the students here at Napa Valley College, including the dreamers, the undocumented, as well as any of those students who are affected by the recent ban by the Trump administration. What is going on in America is tearing the fabric of our nation apart. We are a nation of immigrants. No one is better or worse because of the color of their skin or because of their religion. To do so is un-American. We are a nation of liberty and justice for all. And when we said the Pledge of Allegiance tonight, I thought, 
that really brings it home. That is the key phrase for all. Forget the color, forget the religion, forget the language, forget where you came from. If you're here, we are a nation of immigrants, except for the Native Americans. That's it. And so the students who are supported by this crisis, they need our support. Perhaps some may need counseling because of the trauma of this terrible conflict. And I hope this can be an ongoing conversation as events unfold, because so many lives will be affected. Therefore, we ask that Napa Valley College stand behind all of its students in this tough time. And as Cesar Chavez said, si se puede. Yes, we can if we stay united. I think it's really important all of us are affected. I talk to people every day. It doesn't matter whether you're an immigrant. It doesn't matter if you're documented or undocumented. The trauma that we're going through in this country right now is affecting all of us. And I know it must be very severe, and especially for those students. How can they, how can they study when they have this kind of conflict going on, when they see their... They see their families potentially being deported, or they're deported. The dreamers, I know you have a lot of, you have dreamers here at this college. So this is a very important issue, and I think we all have to be cognizant of it, and we have to know that it's not going away, and we have to deal with it on a day-by-day basis. So I just wanted to bring that to everyone's attention tonight. It's certainly, um, it's certainly tearing at the people that I know. I know people who aren't even very political who, have, who just say they're having a terrible devastation. So thank you so much. Thank you. Next we have Joanne Busenbark. Well, it's been a lot of years since I've been on this side, but um, I committed when I decided not to run again uh, to come back in support of uh, Napa College um, Employees, so uh, that have suffered through uh, some of the changes that have gone on, uh, and I say suffered because when you have a complaint uh, about when, and, and I'm directing this at, at Trustee Martinson because as a public, I can now speak uh, because I don't represent the board, I don't represent the. Uh, you know the college in any way, and so the the um, the different statements made related to I'm going to use finances in, in, as an example. It, it reflects on on Mr. Parker, but it reflects on the people who work for him. So you know now that I'm I don't sit with you, I can come onto the campus freely. Prior to that, if I as an elected, I respected the president's position. If I was coming on campus for any reason, would make sure he knew. So, in wandering about and talking to people that I've worked with uh, in over the years, the what I'm hearing is what's changed is when I go through, and we're talking about uh, we're talking about boots on the ground staff. When I go through the door in the morning, I feel like I have to put on armor because they're the ones who do the work. Yes, you speak to Mr. Parker, but they're the ones who do the work. And you being a counselor, uh, Trustee Martinson, you know the value of trust. So when they don't feel trusted, it affects how creative they can be. It affects 
how they feel about working here. So I'm here to urge you to stop bullying the uh, uh, the staff. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't have picked a more perfect meeting to come to with with uh, your legal counsel here doing that presentation, which in my 12 years sitting here I've heard at least three times, maybe four. Um, but the most interesting thing that she said tonight, and this is where you, Trustee Martinson, have missed the boat, is that this is a collective group. It isn't individuals who get to uh, express their opinion that negatively impacts the people who work here. Okay. And the quote that she gave from years ago was, it was wonderful. You know, the, um, the administrator saying, they don't work for you, they work for me. So I encourage you to apply what, uh, what you heard tonight and um, be, <laughs> be part of the team. That's not a concept. Even as a counselor, and you know the rules and the, the uh, relationships of communication, you, you don't want to be a team player, and that's a sad thing. Number two, I'm requesting that the board put your ethics policy on the agenda at some point within the next several months, uh, whatever fits, um, to review and uh, uh, to have comment on. Number three, I couldn't be more pleased about who's sitting in what was previously my chair. And uh, I think that, that this is a very positive addition to the to the board in many ways. I mean, we we know she's the first Latina, and that brings a level of understanding of our our diversity. But again, after hearing Laura tonight, uh, uh, Laura Salkin, there is so much minutia, if that's what you want to involve yourselves in, and you all know that. But if Trustee Martinson continues to address the minutia, put the uh, continue with the mistrust that translates to mistrust of the staff. You know you're spinning your wheels, and I'm I'm very sorry about that because there is so much good work to be done for uh, students in Apple Valley College. So thank you for your time, and uh, I may be back next month with another missile. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience who would like to speak? Good evening. Um, I just want to uh, introduce myself. My name is Laura Beltran. I am a new member of the team for Assemblywoman Cecilia Aguirre-Curry. So I just wanted to do a quick uh, uh I wouldn't say drive by, but that's not correct way to say it. <laughs> but swing by and just uh, quickly uh, be able to introduce myself formally to everyone. Um, I am will be working along Tracy. I know that a lot of people are familiar with Tracy. I'll be representing Napa County along uh, her. And uh, right now we're located in the American Canyon office. However, we'll be moving to the office where Mike Thompson and Assemblymember Dodd uh, are located. So if there's any uh, 
issues that you guys will want to bring up to us or need help with any uh, legislation that I know things are getting heated up and um, there's a lot of legislation coming out of Sacramento that will help the board. Um, you guys are free to contact me. Um, my previous uh, job was working at the Capitol for two years for Assemblymember Alejo, and previous to that was his her um, his field representative in the Central Coast. So um, really knowledgeable of, of, of my job. However, uh, I am new to this area. I just recently lived here for one year, and loving it so far. So uh, I would like to take the time to meet every single one of you guys to learn a little bit more about this area. So um, that's all, and thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else wishing to speak public comment? See no further speakers. Close the public comment, and we move on to sec- our eight. 8.1 in the constituent group reports, academic senate report, Amanda Badgett, president. Good evening, board. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, since this body last met, classes have begun here at Napa Valley College. We kicked off the semester with the spring 17 educational excellence day, more commonly known as the flex day. And at this point, I um, want to thank my colleagues who participated in the Ed Talks. It was an Ed Talk format, something like TED Talk. And um, I'm now speaking of my colleagues. It was a wonderful opportunity to share with one another areas of interest, whether it was John Dada's latest photographs or our esteemed English department colleagues' poems and prose. And it was a great reminder of the wealth of expertise we have here at the college. Over the winter break, uh, faculty remained very busy. We, it wasn't just skiing and uh, caroling. And in fact, according to the Learning Outcomes Assessment Coordinators, uh, the courses by early January, faculty had assessed... Um, more than 72% more courses than we'd had in fall 2015. And we were looking at a over 50% increase from spring 2016. So um, all of this as uh, both testament to faculty commitment to assessment, but also the very hard work of our coordinators. And for that, I'm referring to Christy Palella and Naomi Kianese. So they've been doing... Spectacular job. So four weeks into our semester, faculty are well into the business of teaching and supporting student learning. From the Academic Senate point of view, we um, as Senate have an ambitious agenda. We are looking at a full-time faculty evaluation process. We are looking at revising our full-time faculty hiring process. And we're even taking a good look at the structure of our committees. And related to the latter, um, I've been part of a team working with colleagues from around the state as part of the IEPI, or Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative. And this past Tuesday at our follow-up visit with this team of administrators and faculty, we explored um, ways of doing things differently at the college and indeed piloting some of our own projects to um, improve lines of communication um, better integrate assessment data, and, um, and I believe we've had an incredibly productive meeting as a result, which I suspect we may be hearing more about. 
Um, but it was really useful to hear feedback from this visiting team of faculty and administrators um, who l provided a perspective um, and, and some feedback for us to become a more nimble, responsive um, organization, I guess, faculty and staff. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, in this way, uh, we will be looking at change as something positive and, and not fear-inducing. And I am looking forward to working with my colleagues, um, as well as the administration, in finding more efficient ways to um, conduct business here at the college. Thank you. Thank you. The Administrative Confidential Senate Report. Ken Arnold. Good evening, board. It'll be a short report. Uh, the clearly back in session, and uh, we had a really productive meeting where we're doing training at one particular meeting. We did SMART goals, and then we're doing, uh, then we have our regular business meeting, and then we do a uh, another topic. The leadership continues. Uh, we have uh, 19 people in the current leadership class. That's doing really well. We're going to meet tomorrow morning, matter of fact. And a very uh, exciting group. We had a February 3rd evaluation of all the prior uh, graduates. Went through sort of evaluating the program, what's the future of the program, et cetera. I'm still crunching data to, to work on that. So that, that is a, an exciting development as well. And then, uh, the, which is, has nothing to do with the Senate, but hopefully you all have your flashlights because I sent information around. It's raining. It's bad out there. Well, it's good right now. But please prepare for emergencies because we're going to get hammered over the next couple of days. Uh, or we're going to get a dry period and then we're going to get it again. So college is well prepared on that end, but we're we're definitely, it's it's interesting out there. Thank you. There do not appear to be any of the representatives from the other constituency groups. Do we have any reports? The student one is here, of course, but... <laughs> well, perhaps I can just um, speak for ASNBC. Great. Okay, good. Um, just two events. Okay, very good. Um, so there's going to be a student forum uh, next Wednesday, February 15th, from 11 to 12 in the community room. A chance for students to come and let the uh, student body government know what, they, um, are, what their interests are, what uh, they would like to see at the college, anything, any, anything they would like to come and, and share with, this, with the ASMBC board. Um, the second one is that on the 21st of this month, from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. in the Student Activity Center, we will be having the African American Celebration. Time again? Say it again. 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., and that one will be in the Student Activity Center. Great. Thank you. Carol Lee, we don't have anything else. Okay, then we move on to nine. Superintendent President Report. It's good. And there be, I don't believe there's a foundation report tonight, right, Carolee? Uh, no, just um, sort of letting folks know that there will be a presentation at the March meeting mm -hmm. about the uh, developing <clears throat> campaign. Okay. Thank you. And um, we'll go to President's Cabinet's report and start with um, Charo, if you will. Good evening. The Office of Human Resources will be launching an online campus um, employee satisfaction survey. This survey is being sent out to all employees and we're asking for full cooperation. The purpose of the survey is to look at 
what the district is doing well, how we can leverage what we're doing well, and identify and assess areas for improvement or development. And um, Rippy will be assisting us with the um, compiling the data, and the results will be sent out to the campus 30 days um, at the end of the survey period. So for all of you who have received the email, the email will go out tomorrow, and so I encourage everyone to please complete the survey. That's Thank good. you. Thank you. I might add that it's, this is um, uh, at least planned to be a year-on-year so this year would be the baseline, and it will um, hopefully be um, out there for all employees. We're doing all employees, correct? Okay, good. Thank you. Um, Bob, do you have a question? Yeah, I'm sorry. So will the summary be presented to the board as an information item? Uh, um, it, you, will be, you can avail yourselves of it. It will be presented to the entire constituencies, so I don't think you'll see it separately. I'll just probably um, post it for you to see as well. Right. Okay, just two very quick things. First of all, we are coming uh, up on our first milestone in the planning and budget development process for the 17-18 budget. The uh, unit plans will be due to the area councils at the end of this month, and so there are a couple of training sessions uh, to assist people if they still need some additional information on how to get those, prepare those unit plans for submission. There's a session tomorrow and there will be a session on Wednesday as well. I also just wanted to quickly follow up on an item that came up at the last board meeting, and that had to do with uh, the ASNVC um, desire from the students to see uh, water bottle filling stations here on campus. And so had an opportunity to meet with ASNVC President Sanchez on January 20th. Um, the request was, first of all, um, the funding for those filling stations will be provided from the facilities budget. It's uh, something that, uh, that we have uh, the ability to fund, and so there's no need to fundraise for it. Um, and most importantly, the request was to have at least two of the filling stations in areas designated by ASNVC to have them in place in time for the Earth Day um, celebration in April. And so we've made a commitment from the facility side to have those installed. Yeah, good. Good work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Eric, please. Uh, good evening. I'll try and do this fairly quickly as well. So first off, I just wanted to follow up on some legislation that had been here in front of the board um, a little while back, you had uh, approved a resolution in support of um, a change to the state law regarding instructional brewing program. So just a, a quick follow-up on that. We're in conversation with Senator Bill Dodd right now, and we have SB 228 that is uh, starting to make its way through the Capitol right now, um, which if it were to pass, eventually um, in the... Uh, and the longer, you know, longer timeline here would allow us, if we were to develop a brewing program here at the college, would uh, allow us to actually sell the beer. And um, this has been one part of the law that hasn't been changed. Um, the, legis uh, the, the law was changed uh, not too long ago, actually, that allows for the universities, the universities and colleges to have brewing programs, develop, um, develop and brew the beer on the campus. Uh, the law was changed recently so that uh, the tasting of the beer can happen with the students, even if they're under the age of 21, and this would be the next step in that process, which would then allow colleges and universities to be able to actually sell the product 
Um, so completing that part of the curriculum, the sales component of the curriculum. So um, right now this is going in, and it is going in with your support. So we want to thank you again for the support that the board showed on that. And we'll keep you abreast of how that goes as it works its way through the magical process in Sacramento. Um, next up, uh, one, uh, we have uh, a lot of faculty hiring going on right now. So in April, uh, we have, we're hoping that at the April board meeting, we're going to bring a big stack of uh, approvals for you for new full-time tenure-track faculty members. Um, we have eight faculty hiring processes going on right now. Tomorrow is the date that, those applica that the application period closes. And so, no, not tomorrow. I'm, what's that? Oh, on the 12th. Okay. Yes, full-time faculty um, positions that are open for Napa Valley College, if I can put that plug in, Absolutely. will close February the 12th. February 12th. And so our committees are together, and we're steaming around along with that. We've set some pretty aggressive targets for the timeline on this to make sure that we're getting well out in front of the hiring season for faculty. So we're very excited about where we're going on that. And again, uh, I hope in April to be bringing you a large stack of um, approvals for you on that front. Um, one other thing, uh, so the adult education block grant uh, that we work with here at the college, so for those of you that are familiar with AEBG, if you've heard that acronym here at the, at the board meeting before, <clears throat> pardon me, this was the state's attempt a few years back to um, uh, help local entities, local educational entities, streamline the adult education offerings and to not duplicate what happens between an adult school in the area and the non-credit and community college programs. Uh, locally, so we have an adult education consortium where we are working directly with Napa Valley Unified School District, and um, we've been working on that now for a few years. What I have uh, tonight, I just wanted to say that we have uh, we're in the process of cha uh, change in leadership for the Napa Valley side of it. Um, Rebecca Scott, who has been heading this up for us for the last few years, is transitioning off, and we're bringing Michelle Mono on um, as the work is shifting more towards the development of the non-credit. Michelle is the associate dean who's responsible for non-credit education. We decided to get her a little closer to the center of what we're working with now. So we've made that transition and that leadership. And then finally tonight, I just want to uh, put in front of the board uh, an another success story from one of our educational programs here. So um, uh, the welding program here on campus had a welder certification day where the students uh, took the American Welding Society uh, welding certification. We had 34 students that took it. 24 of whom passed, so we had a 70.6% uh, pass rate on that, on that certification. Typical pass rate on that is about 10% of students. So our students are getting an extraordinary education out of our welding program, and Eric Wade, who is our full-time professor in the welding program, is doing a fantastic job with them. And so I just wanted to make sure that we uh, acknowledge that here tonight, uh, the hard work that he's put into the program and uh, the good work that the students are doing out of that program. And with that, I will call my report at an end. Thank you. Thank you. Oscar? Thank you. Happy Copen. Thank you. Um, as, as mentioned here, this is just a, a short list of the activities that are, that, are, that are taking place this month with the Student Affairs. Uh, as you can see, we're, we're going to have visits from, from, uh, from reps uh, that, that represent UC Davis and Cal. Um, and that's under the, the guidance of, of, our, of our Dean of Counseling, uh, Mr. Willis. Um, there's also there's there's three activities that, that I want to point out to you. The first one is the one that took place last Friday, uh, where we met with approximately ten of of our international students. As I mentioned before, we have about twenty six students currently, and so what we decided to do is that it's it's time that we pay more attention to to their needs, but more importantly, 
to make make sure that they are aware that that we are happy and we are glad for them to I mean to be here. So we organized this this event. It was a two hour uh, uh, meeting or gathering uh, where they had the opportunity to meet other staff members from, from the college, from from instruction, from uh, student affairs, and others. And the uh, the students who were there that day uh, re- represented uh, the countries of uh, Japan, Canada, Egypt, um, Brazil. Let me see. Colombia, France, and India, and so there was a there's a nice variety of, of of students. And what came out of this is that they are now going to form an international student club, which is what we were hoping that they would do, so that uh, we can become uh, more engaged with with them. Another activity that I want to uh, call, call attention to is one that's taking place next Tuesday. It's an event that's being scheduled here in the PAC. It's 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 a conjunction with 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 organizations that support Dreamers and DACA students. And um, and here is a flyer that actually is just hot hot of the press came out this this afternoon, um, and and what what will be held that day uh, from from seven to eight will be a viewing of two videos that show the lives or tell about the lives of of students who are who are, who are, who are undocumented and are uh, DACA students, and uh, so um, we were asked to to assist with this project, and I said absolutely yes. So uh, um, please join us next Tuesday from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And the third activity I'd like to call to, to your attention is an activity that's going to take place on February the 21st, uh, which is another one of our visits that we have from, from, from our middle schools. And this time it's going to be from, uh, from Redwood. We're expecting about 130 students. Along with them will be one of their vice principals, which I think is very, very, very impressive. And uh, what Joe Lee from, from the Welcome Center has asked, has asked us to do is that that day around 9 o'clock, 9.05, if you could join us and gather at the quad area, which is the central part of campus, uh, right from the bookstore, because what we're going to do is that we're going to actually li- literally, literally roll out the, the red carpet for, the, for these kids. The idea being that we want to make certain that they feel, uh, feel the, the excitement of being at, at, at another college, but more importantly, that they see and they feel that we actually want them to, to be here. So if you can, join us uh, on the 21st at 9.05 or so in uh, front of the bookstore, and, and we're going to just form in two lines and have the kids walk through us, or yeah, walk through us, I guess, and applaud them and, and make them feel that, uh, that they are welcomed here. Okay? Thank you very much. Love that idea, Oscar. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I think you said you said Tuesday for this, but it says Wednesday. Is, is oh, it? Oh, sorry, it's uh, Wednesday. I'm sorry. Wednesday's for sure. It, okay. it's, it's the day after Valentine's Day. Oh, good. Which is a reminder for everybody to make their arrangements for Valentine's Day. Just just say it, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess we were on to mine. Thank you. Um, a, a couple things. If you can put mine up there, Carolee, if you don't mind, and then we will, uh, yeah, drop two. Um, a couple things. I, you know, I wanted to just take a, a good shot at some national stuff here, just a little bit to give a nod to it. Um, yeah, I think it's incumbent on the president to really make some kind of a statement. I thought it was reasonable tonight. Our policy on international students is one that this board has established, and we're um, interested in um, bringing in international students. So I wanted to at least address this a little bit. Um, and, the, and there's two pieces of here that are important. The the travel ban, which um, was put into place, as you all know, probably, um, um, back a few weeks ago, was um, stayed by a judge 
um, up in Washington. It went to the circuit court, which was upheld this afternoon. So that ban is still in play. Um, And at this time, it's the last sentence, really, at this time, and in the case the ban is even reinstated, the executive order has no effect on the safety, security, or status of any NVC student. So it's really important that folks know that this is about um, outward, this is about inward travel to to the country. And um, so, um, and I also posted a legal document from, as you can see, their college, you don't have to go to it, but the College and Legal Services of California, and I just posted a piece here. I know that boards and and different groups are making statements, and they're saying, fine, if you choose to do a resolution, that, that's good. Make sure that it, it's not hubris or, or, or make claims of something that's not legal. And so some, some of the um, colleges or universities are kind of overstepping. They're promising what some things that are just very difficult to, for them to uphold. So if we move forward, I wanted to and just bring the board's attention to that, and we can, we can certainly work on that. Second piece is DACA students. Um, the travel ban does not affect them. Um, I, I, I think I've worked with um, our, our folks here um, to uh, indicate for some of our international travel. We have a couple trips overseas, I think, for English or Spanish, and I've notified those faculty to scan their students who are using because we don't want to have a student stuck overseas, so um, you know, they're taking extra precautions. Here, um, I think it's important just to read it. Napa Valley College will work closely with the state's educational leaders, sustain our work on behalf of these students, and fulfill our mission. Our counselors and student support services will remain vigilant in helping these students to deal with anxiety or confusion. We're spending some extra time and energy on making sure that people feel um, uh, um, safe and that they understand Um, the full measure of what's going on. I will direct staff to follow laws in place that protect student privacy and compliance with the Family Ed Rights and Privacy Act, um, which governs the privacy of student records. And I will ask also that we not share student records containing immigration or citizenship status with immigration officials without some clear evidence of legal authority. Um, That really means that we're not... I'm waiting. I'm waiting for more direction and legal authority to do those things. But right now, we're going to ensure that our students are well protected and feel safe. So uh-huh. on, on that <clears throat> item, um, I just wanted to make a statement on there. On uh, kind of lesser... Um, Can I you know, just yes, please. ask for uh, just... Mm-hmm. If there's one thing that I would ask maybe you could get some clar- clarity on is that, it, you know, it says we recommend that districts comply with all state and federal law. Mm-hmm. We know where the state of California stands. Right. And so um, I guess what would be helpful to understand is, you know, because they're, they're threatening, you know, we may not get funding. And so who is our master, more or less, that uh, would protect I'm, us? I'm with you. Well, I think... Well, if I can, if I'm understanding right, well, there'll be more. Every day we learn more information, so I'll be bringing information, and I won't wait a month to present it to you. I'll forward information to the board and to the entire college as as things become more clear. But right now, it is at very best uh, unclear. But our students, I think, is important. The takeaway: safe. Nobody's going anywhere. Nobody's asking you to go anywhere. Um, student enrollment, I think, is. Um, up, and I'm not sure, Oscar and I talked about it, but I'm not sure on the amount of 
of DACA dreamers we have? Approximately 70 to 75, 80. Right. And so we'll make a special um, effort to make sure that those people, those people understand the, the current status of stuff. Um, CTE month um, is coming up, so Career and Technical Month. A, a little highlight, it, it may, we have a, some fine programs which Eric um, talked about in CTE, and they certainly get their due. Um, the, our career, our, um, in Career and Technical, the Winery Technology Program received high marks from uh, um, Robert Parker, not the one sitting over here, but Robert Parker Jr., um, the, the wine expert, and um, um, he gave Napa Valley College, I believe, an 89 or 90 on our cab, and um, 89. Um, so it's, it will be in high demand as it rolls out. Um, it, it's, it's a very good testament to our program and what we're doing here. Local college issues, um, we are um, pleased to announce that we're in community partnership with Festival, Festival Napa Valley. We're going to be kind of an in-residence um, location for the festival moving forward for the next few years. It's, it's one of the um, very high-profile and um, well-respected um, offerings in the, in the community. And I think it, following the board's lead here to try to connect closely with the community, it's a very um, good, a good thing. It's a summer um, institute, if, if you will, over a very short period of time. It's about a week or so. And we're in... Um, conversations to kind of firm those dates up, but we're there. Upcoming, this is important a little bit. We talked about it just briefly um, during our workshop. Um, This is kind of a, uh, what is it? A little whisper of what's coming up in the the future months here. Um, In our March meeting, college housing will come as an informational item for you for discussion, recommendations, and and we'll have uh, much more information coming your way before that meeting. That will be a full discussion of college housing and allow you to move forward for April or those later dates or May to move forward towards feasibility or not. Um, same thing in um, the capital campaign for the winery technology classrooms coming up. In April, we'll, we'll have an information on the feasibility for the general obligation bond for June 2018, as directed by the board back um, almost... Um, in April 2016, you, we had this information item, and you directed us to bring it back now for the feasibility, and we'll have a, um, a broad general discussion. It's important for you to know that I'm already reaching out to our internal constituencies, having these kind of um, very short conversations about uh, taking their temperature, so to speak. May, you can roll it up currently a little bit. I guess I could look at mine. An information item on the South Valley Center. Um, um, at, at American Canyon, and that is really the American Canyon High School, which we own a um, significant amount of property, and we're developing that property to eventually um, increase our FTE and offerings there. And June um, will be an informational meeting on Mount Beter Farm at Bumpy Camp. Thank you, Amy. I had to. I had to. Well, there was some, you know, uh, and I think a couple of trustees said, did you change the name of Bumpy Camp to Mount Beter Farm? And the answer was yes. We actually did over a period of years. But um, So this is our nod to try to keep both of the historic Bumpy Camp name in while um, naming out um, Mount Beter Farm. So those are all informational items. Very important spring for the board. Um, big decision-making coming up. Probably big legacy projects. All these are what I would term having sat on a board. Legacy projects will, that will carry the institution through for decades. So it's a, it's a very important spring 
want to give you a lot of time and energy to be focusing on these, and certainly I'm open to any kind of conversation or inquiry. Well, I've got a, a question about all these informational items. Mm-hmm. It kind of relates to some of the questions we were asking in discussion mm-hmm. earlier um, today and asking about you know getting information ahead of time. So, yes, there's a lot of stuff in here that's very important um, that I think we need a lot of information to, you know, be able to think about this mm-hmm. on, on our own uh, before it comes up on our agendas. So, you know, being informed about this, like, for example, just the Mount Veter farm mm-hmm. and just even background information. I know that I think half of us here know about it, have heard about it, and had discussions about it, but new trustees, I don't know if they know anything about it, but even for the rest, for all of us, some of that background information, getting that, and where did it come from, the its history, and uh, those sorts of things, to have that well in advance so we can start to think about these things. That's good. And I, and I will take that as more than a request, but to, to build um, uh, on each of these a really solid piece of documentation that the board can have at least a month before, which I'm fine on, because these are all... And um, so we'll put together packets for you to read, and then as you scan them, and these will be available to all the other constituencies, of course. Um, as you scan them, then you can ask questions or follow up, or I'd like to know more about this, or what does this mean? Do we have a legal opinion on X? Those kinds of things to get there. Okay. Great, thank you. Great, thank you. Um, now the the um, public information office report. I don't know, uh, Doug. Do you have anything extra that you want to talk about tonight? You sure. All right. Um, this is the, um, well, I'm not going to work for you. you. You do this. Yeah, this is good. Um, the, the, uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A student, thank you, board, for letting me do this. A student who had cancer, a single mom, had a child in the child development center, um, had cancer, and Amira Donnelly came to me. She said, this is my friend. Could you put a little story in the paper about the support she needs? And um, not only did we get the story, but we got the Napa Valley College community to help deliver meals to her. And it told something to the community about community we have here on campus. It's a special group of people. And this is the follow-up story that talked about um, the tremendous achievement of the, the people who work here. I just was, was, I was proud of this because people came to me and said, help do this, and I felt I had a, a great bunch of people here to help us get that done. Thank you. And, and I think the, the key here is that the, the college, as we've been talking about, is moving much more in the center of the community conversations um, and in its, in its collaboration, but also these outreach. And a tremendous story. If you haven't read it, um, take a look. It's, on, it's online here. Thank you very much. I'm done. Thank you. So we are on to uh, 10.1, the approval of minutes, minutes of the January 12th, 17 regular meeting. There is one item, I think, on here that um, I think needs to be corrected under board reports. Is that find it actually it was on the creation of the um, new committee for the land use 
I believe that the members that were appointed were Michael Baldini, Mr. Iverson, and myself, and it says Rose Saura Segura in here. Oh. We can only we can only do three and not four, but yeah, right. But, yeah. but that's your call. How do you want to play that? If if you feel very strongly, I could step away from that. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, that with that correction, is there any other any other questions, comments? Nothing else. With that correction, then the uh, minutes stand approved. And we are on to number 11, information discussion items, 11.1. Dr. Kraft. Thank you. Um, this is um, um, a, an interesting item, information item that was requested and I followed through from the community. Um, Bruce Johnson is exploring the feasibility of a, an arrangement with uh, the college, um, utilizing the sports fields and, and um, his team along with... Um, with Dean, I was trying to think of your title, Bob. I, you know, the Dean of, of Athletics. I'll just make it short and sweet. Um, is is here tonight also to um, to talk about this? And um, please, gentlemen, if it's the podium is yours. Uh, first, Doctor Kraft, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for, to the board. I'm not going to take a lot of your time. Uh, my name is Bruce Johnston. I'm a resident of West Napa. My wife and I have lived here since 2007 and absolutely love this community and everything that it has to offer. I'm currently self-employed as a consultant for in the shopping center industry. I work for owners and managers and retailers, and I've decided it's time for a new adventure for, for me. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story about how this happened because it's a little, little interesting. I was at one of those luncheons where everybody eats, then they pass a microphone around, introduce yourself, tell, tell what you do. And the gentleman who was two people down from me said, I want you to know the Napa Baseball Exploratory Committee has reached a point where we're ready to find a, a, a team owner. And after having broken my arm in June and out of commission for a couple of months, I was thinking to myself, well, you know what, I could sell tickets. And so I got the gentleman's card and followed up with him. And I get an email back the next day that says, we're pleased to know that you want to own the Napa baseball team. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit more than selling tickets. So um, the, the, it, I asked the, the exploratory committee for a little bit of time to figure out if I could make financial sense out of this. This is not your typical business model. Uh, and they gave me until November the 15th at such time that I figured out there was no way I could figure out if I could make it work or not. So I made a deal with the league. Uh, the league is the, the professional association of, I'm sorry, the Pacific Association of Professional Baseball Clubs. They currently have teams in Sonoma, San Rafael, uh, Vallejo, and Pittsburgh. And there are a couple of gentlemen, gentlemen that came from Vallejo to support me, and I'm delighted to, to, to see that support. Um, it is an independent league team. Uh, it is not an affiliated team. Affiliated teams would be like the Giants have the Rivercats AAA, they've got Fresno AA, they've got San Jose Single A. This is below single A. The advantage to an affiliated team is that the major league team actually pays all your expenses, your salaries, your player salaries, your equipment, your stadium. They pay everything. In this league, the owner pays everything. Uh, and like I said, it's a bit of an unusual business model because you can't make money selling just tickets, concessions, and merchandise. It's, it's an issue of going out into the community and getting sponsorships. 
in this case, a lot of sponsorships. And I expect that, that if we're able to put this together uh, and open on the 1st of June of 2018, it, it will be an investment of well in excess of a quarter of a million dollars before the first ticket is presented at the gate. Um, one of the things that's really a requisite for uh, a prerequisite for having a baseball team is having a field to play on. Um, you folks happen to have one, and, and it's a very nice one. And, and what I would like to do is borrow it for a little bit. Um, and actually, I, I, um, one of the things, when I say borrow it, I say that in jest, because obviously there's, there's a lot that goes into this. One of the things that is going to have to go into it is increased seating, because with the current capacity, there is not enough to, to even sell enough tickets or generate enough concession revenue to, to get close to what it needs to be. I am willing to, to make an investment uh, with the college in increasing the seating, because at the end of the day, the seating doesn't go away. If I find a, a, a different place to play, uh, and, and the thought right now would be if we can get the city to upgrade Kennedy Park, uh, then the seating would still benefit the, the college, and so you would have the benefit of that long term. I've already met with, with Dean Harris. Um, I've met with uh, Mr. Dunlap, um, and I've met with Matt Christensen, the facilities manager. Uh, I also brought the gentleman who um, is a part owner of the San Rafael team to, to take a look at the field. He was actually general counsel for four different major league teams and has an incredible wealth of knowledge that I can take advantage of. He thinks the park could be the flagship of the league and sees a tremendous amount of potential. Um, what, what, I, what I would like to do, because, I'm going to, because I have until the 30th of June to let the league know if I can proceed or not, I need to get out there and start working on sponsorship and advertising income. What I would ask from you is if it would be possible for me to go to the public uh, sooner rather than later, because every day counts for me, and say that we are in discussions with the, the college about using their field. And if we can come to an agreement and I can generate enough sponsorship income, then we will have a professional baseball team in Napa in June of 2018. Let me interpret a little bit because this is different now because it's a because as an information item we're not asking for action at all um, and the reason that I encouraged Bruce to come tonight was because it's a it's a this is a higher profile community issue uh, it's it's different than uh, a one time usage of the field or um, maybe something that might be you know more more transitory I think that we're really looking for maybe some some kind of a community partnership so. Um, in terms of the, the board's um, pleasure tonight, I think asking questions and the information would be a, a good thing. Certainly, no, it's not incumbent, and nor can we make any kind of decision tonight. But it's just a, a, an information gathering opportunity. You, uh, one thing I, I think you le left out that you impressed on me was the actually the ticket buyer for this and the target market for this. Right. Maybe and you might talk briefly about that. I, I should have. One of the things that... And I know this because my, my sister-in-law, who's lived here for, for over 30 years as an elementary school teacher at Browns Valley, and, and when, when I brought this up with, with her and some of the other family members, the first thing that came out of their mouths was, there is no affordable family entertainment in Napa. And this is a period of time, the league plays three months out of the year, June, July, and August. This is a time of year that when kids are out of school, um, it's going to be extremely affordable. Uh, if you're a family of four and you want to go see the Giants, it's going to cost you $350 in seven or eight hours out of your day. Um, these games are played at 6 o'clock at night in the summertime. They're, they're approximately 
uh, depending on the number of teams we end up with, between 36 and 40 games in that th- home games in, in that uh, three-month season. Uh, and, and it would be an opportunity to create some, uh, you know, a safe, fun environment for kids and their families. Um, the gentleman who is the the part owner of San Rafael, you know, very much impressed me when he said one of the things that he writes into the contracts for his ball players that they they have to stay on the field after the game until every autograph is signed. And when you see a six-year-old kid standing next to a six-foot-tall, two hundred-pound professional baseball player and getting his autograph, his day didn't get any better than that. And that's the kind of environment that we want to create. And, and one other thing I'll add to, and I, I, would, I would love to take any questions, is that this is going to be very community-oriented. I'm going to have sponsors for every game, and for every sponsor, I'm going, they're going to have a charity. They can pick their own, or I'm going to have a list that they can pick from. And, and, and you know, I want this to be something that NAPA loves and something that NAPA can get behind. But I also want to make sure that, that this isn't just about baseball. This is also about giving back to the community in any way that we can. I have a question, but it may be more for Dean Harris. Um, just wondering about the uh, – there, there sounds like there would be some benefit to our team, uh, but what, what are the impacts or benefits uh, to our program? Well, first let me say that uh, in the, my time here, I've been approached three or four times about s- very similar activities here on campus. And Bruce's, Bruce's um, uh, request is really quite compelling, the most compelling that we've, I've, I've talked about or thought about because it's local and it's staying here. Um, the impact on the college itself, because it's in the summer and it's out on the, the west end of campus, really would be minimal. Uh, would there be some impact? Well, our current baseball team, there's a camp that, that the coach runs a couple weeks. Uh, there, there are possibilities to, to, to move things around. Um, it should be very minimal. We view it as an opportunity to highlight the campus uh, on, on game nights and such. Uh, it'd be, a, it, as Bruce said, it's a, it'd be a wonderful community opportunity. There are a lot of things that, that Bruce has to put forward, and there's a lot of vetting that needs to be done. But it's the most compelling um, offer suggestion that we've had in a long time because of the local ties. We've had folks uh, who came from, uh, from Hawaii and uh, New York who wanted to get into the, uh, the league, and it was one of those things where it just didn't feel right. It were, um, but Bruce is a neighbor, I've just found out. <laughs> and um, and he's doing it for all the right reasons. And when he opened up, the, one of the first things he said that he was because you went to the restroom, you were the, the deemed the new owner by the Napa Baseball Group. So the, the key is it's the Napa Baseball Group. It's not an outside an outside entity. So we feel very strong that we can make this work um, from an academic standpoint. Meaning the impact on the college classes academic. Uh, the, the programs that we offer would be minimized, and uh, we'd work very hard to do that. And it's in the summer. It's a great family opportunity, and who knows where we go from there. But it would be an opportunity to explore something that we haven't had. Are there other community groups that use the, that field that would be impacted, that would, that would be displaced? There are. There is a league uh, that it's a senior group that, plays uh, and they've been doing it for years and their their games are minimal and could they play 
Well, when did you mention the name? The Napa Silverados. Right. <laughs> um, the field, the facility, the Bruce's group would be doing a lot of upgrades, not only to the to the to the um, the capacity, seating capacity, but the field itself to get things in the play, in a proper playing station. Uh, capacity and fulfillment of same lights, things like that. But they play 80 games, 40 of which are home, 40 are on the road. So when they're on the road, the field would still be available for for, uh, for use by outside entities, uh, camps, things like that. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure how to answer your question the 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 footprint increase there there are really two two areas of that that need to be addressed area number one is the is the volume of seating that that's that's key absolutely important and then the second area would be uh, to to create a concessions area uh, and and there is a, a a perfect opportunity on the let's see it's the south southwest side of the field there's a there's a relatively large unused patch of uh, currently grass, which, which you know, I, and obviously I'd work with, with Dean Harris on figuring out how to make that work, but, but concessions would need to be addressed it, as well as the capacity. Yeah. So, so in terms of the benefit to, to our students, uh, would, would, our, would our players be able to Um, no, because this, be, be, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly how the re, what the regulations would be, but this is a professional league, and I don't know whether if they played against professionals that if that would be deemed, or it, it played as a part of the team, if that would be deemed to be professional, they would lose their college eligibility. That would be my guess, but I'm just guessing. If a player gets $1, they're professional. So now I can also add, though, that we've had several players in the past, some of our players that – that you know have aspirations to go on who have played in this league uh, with Vallejo and and we've had quite a few try out for the various teams and one of the things that's interesting is if if with this league um, it's a fun opportunity and the San Jose Pacifics is that the name the San Rafael San Rafael yeah. Pacifics they're sort of, they're they're the one that they had uh, Bill Spaceman Lee come and manage for a day Jose Canseco manage for a day they they it's it's a fun it's a fun uh, uh, process. It's a fun game to go to. So we're very excited about exploring, and that's what we're really doing. We're exploring, as Bruce said. There's no no formal commitments. We need. There's a lot of eyes to be dotted and T's to cross. But um, exploring is is something we want to go through. You mentioned that this is long term, and obviously, if you're going to be investing, you would want it to be long term. What kind of a time frame are we talking about in terms of the college being committed? To having this team there. Well, I, I think initially what we would like to do is is get a three year commitment. I think ultimately my goal is to create so much excitement with this team that it forces the city to take a look at upgrading Kennedy Park, um, and 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 that may actually inure the benefit of the college too, um, if it's a facility that that you know is a more attractive facility for the college to play in than you know the current facility is. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I think ultimately. Our goal would be to have this be so wildly successful that the city just says, you know what, we need a we 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 need to have a municipal ball field that this team can play at. That was going to be my question. If there was going to be any financial uh, investment on the part of the college for to develop this this program, 
Well, I, I think that at this point we've got a lot more questions than we have answers. Um, I, I don't know, uh, you know, to, to be very frank, I don't, I'm looking into what bleachers cost. I've never built any bleachers before. I don't have any at my house and <laughs> haven't found much need for them. So I'm trying to determine what it is that, you know, what kind of cost that I'm looking at in terms of doing the upgrades and then also what I'm looking at in terms of up, upgrading or creating concession area because those are the two key areas. This might be more for um, Dr. Kraft. Um, would this need to go through shared governance, like planning and budget? This is fall under planning and budget, and would this need to go through shared governance because they would be using the field? Well, it's a it's a good question. I, I would say no. It's more the participatory governance piece. So I would I would probably take this to the council of presidents, and you know, since it's a little a little more visible um, for information, but there really is no. If it was crossways with an instructional program, I, I, I probably would not even have brought it this far. But um, since it's kind of in the summer, I'm not seeing anything. I would certainly consult with my colleagues. I mean, I would check with Amanda and the other you know, the groups to see whether or not they, they had something that um, kind of that I'm not thinking about. But, yeah. My last question. I actually heard about this. Um, actually, two um, Napa County Office of Education board members told me about this that it was reported out in their January board meeting by Don Huffman, another trustee. What's his role in this? Don is, uh, first off, he shouldn't have said anything because we, we wanted to, to, it was important for me to meet with the college first before anything, before anything happened at all. So he, he wasn't authorized to speak. Uh, he is uh, one of the members of the Napa Baseball Exploratory Committee, and as such he was one of the, and I don't know, there's seven or eight, nine, that it's varied from time to time, uh, gentlemen here in, in, and a couple of ladies here in town that were specifically exploring the possibility of bringing a professional team to Napa. He was one of those committee members. He knew that he was aware that I had reached an agreement with the league uh, to, to buy myself some time to figure out if I could do this. So he should, I, I apologize, he shouldn't have said anything, but his role is as an advisor uh, and that whole group is their their roles are they're going to be advisors or, and they're going to help me as I continue to unpeel all these onions and 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 find solutions and to issues and, and that kind of thing. So uh, and he's very very creative. He's working on the logo and and all this. But but what he mentioned at that meeting was absolutely premature, and I I apologize that that happened. Anyone else? Uh, I'd just like to thank you for jumping in on this endeavor with the community. I think there's been discussion in the community for quite some time about having some more entertainment that is affordable, but also developing like a baseball program here in the community. So thank you for coming in and considering doing it with the college. I think it's a great opportunity. Thank you. Yes, please. Uh, Tim Fitzgerald, Broadcaster Media Director with the Vallejo Franchise. A couple of things I think are applicable in this situation. Sonoma uh, did this with a high school field, you know, increased the capacity, um, you know, put a professional touch into the ballpark, and it's become quite a feature there in Sonoma now. The uh, They had a, a couple of writers do a book about their team and, and took control of the team, and uh, next thing you know, it's a best-selling book. They have the first openly gay professional pitcher active, you know, on their team. They have two women players on the team last year in professional baseball. So it's a 
certainly a chance to kind of uh, you know, raise a profile and, and do something special in Vallejo. It's got this very town square feel to it. Uh, you know, the local gymnastics team comes out in between the third and fourth inning and, and it is doing entertainment. You honor kids who won awards in the pregame, stuff like that. Um, you know, home run derby where the high school kids get to take on the professionals, that sort of stuff that really got, you know, the community to come out. Our organization is pretty intern-powered, too. Uh, it's very uh, reliant. We have our department heads, and then we each have three to four interns. So that's where I think it's applicable for this college, too, is uh, that neighboring with each other right here of, um, you know, sports department operations, communica- communications, food services, a lot of that connection uh, as well, I think, is, is a nice touch if there's something that's applicable for for this situation from things I've seen in the rest of the league, that would probably be it. Thank you, Chair. I had one other quick question, I think. In terms of uh, law enforcement, would I mean, we have law enforcement on campus during the summertime without classes, right? So I was just wondering if that would, I mean, we'd have to do an impact study or feasibility or well, any Ken has offered or? to be at every game. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, there we go. It's those logistics and kind of operational pieces we would really address, you know, with staff and have a full build out for you. Whether if that made sense to use our folks or probably, you know, some security, whatever it might be, but it, it will come out in the wash. I think with a more detailed plan. And, and I, I think the one thing, if I could, could stress, is the fact that, you know, I'm not really creating this from scratch. The leg already exists. I'm creating the team from scratch. And, and that gives me an inherent flexibility to address, you know, each and every issue that, that any of you want to bring up. Um, you know, absolutely nothing is set in stone. Um, you know, and, and what, what we want to do is, is, like I said, we want to deliver a terrific product in a safe and fun and exciting environment. And, and I'll be very honest with you, before this baseball thing came up, I had never been on this campus. And I find this a most impressive college campus. And, and I think that we will have the ability to bring people to the stadium that, like I, had never been here before. And so hopefully the, 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 you know, one of the things which we can accomplish together is the fact that we can expose this, this campus to a lot of people who, for whatever reason, may not have come out here before. Can I ask a question? Uh, first of all, full disclosure, I'm a sixth-generation Texan, so I'm more of a football person. But <laughs> if you have cotton candy, I'll be there. Um, I wanted to ask about the wash. What, what was the timetable that you said you had? I have until the 30th of June of this year, and then uh, assuming I assuming I move forward, then the the first game would be on the 1st of June of 2018. So I have I have basically four more months to put all the sponsorships and the charities and advertisers together, and then assuming that there's enough of that, which I which I am assuming uh, because it, it it just makes sense that this community would rally behind something like this, which is very you know interesting and different. Um, Assuming then I've got, then I have a little bit less than a year to be able to put the team on the on the field. In terms of what you would need the college and our board to move forward and taking decisive action and blah blah, um, what would be so? You, June thirtieth is when you would need to 
be definitely moving forward with your part? What would we need to do? What would be our timetable? I think if, uh, let me think about the best way to do this. We'd probably move forward with an MOU, um, I would think, and Bob, feel free to jump in on this, and and, um, coordinate a facilities contract, kind of detail that, that out. Um, that would come to the board then for, like everything else, for ratification. And we would try to do that in a way, I guess in terms of, of um, I don't know your, your need. But if it were June, then we would, we would come in hopefully at the May to try to ratify that, that MOU, I would think. That would give you plenty of time for the thumbs up, thumbs down with your league. And right. So that that timing would be appropriate, I think. Thanks for asking the question because I had to think it through a little bit. I guess... Because you mentioned June 30th, everything has to be put in place on your end. But you said earlier that you want to go public now. So it, are you feeling pressed to have a decision one way or the, the other from the college? But what I what I would like uh, what I would like is just to to be able to to start my process of of talking to potential sponsors, advertisers, and charities. And in order for to do that, I've got to let them know that we're contemplating. Um, playing here at Napa Valley College, and so it, it, with the understanding that it isn't, uh, it, it has not been finalized by any stretch of the imagination. But it's the most logical place for us to play, and that's where we would like to play. Uh, but but by being able to to get the press release out today or tomorrow or the next day, that gives me one, two, three extra days to 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 meet with the, the chamber and Kiwanis and Rotary and Lions. And every time I see a group of more than five people together on the street, I'm going to interrupt them and, uh, and talk to every, you know, store, advertiser, winery, beer, you know, I mean, I, I, car dealership. There's not anybody who's not going to get their door knocked on here in Napa. Is it- Michael. Uh, you mentioned concessions. That's uh, a way to raise money. Would this preclude uh, being located on campus? And Tim mentioned about a high school. Would that preclude you from selling a, adult beverages? And would any pending legislation change that? And could we get first right of refusal on our Napa Valley College brewery and wine products at your concession? I, 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 am, not, I am not a lawyer. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of laws that have to do with the sale of alcoholic beverages and who's allowed to sell them and who, who is not and how those are, are done. I will tell you this. My wife loves your Chardonnay and wishes she could find it somewhere. Um, I would, you know, again, it goes back to the fact that I've got a tremendous amount of flexibility. And, and I think that, you know, it would be, I think it would be marvelous if we could sell the college's wine and beer. I just am not a lawyer, and I, I don't know, yes. I don't know the answer to that. But I'd love for it to happen. Obviously, there's, there are a lot of questions, uh, and we don't have all night for them. Can got I just a, make a comment um, real quick? Quick. Uh. Yeah. But I'm just concerned on the, on the timeline, because there's a lot of things that are going to come towards us, mm-hmm. you know, to make decisions on, like, the mm-hmm. housing and the vineyard and the mm-hmm. baseball, baseball field and so on and so forth. And we would need ample time to read through those and, and make a precise decision on, on that. Great. Understood. Same kind of, uh, you know, getting as much information as you can. And, and um, I think, to, I don't mean to preclude it either, but um, in terms of getting a a feel, an indication of the board's and the college district's kind of um, propensity to make this happen. I think you probably got that tonight. Um, So um, generally speaking, we can 
deal back and forth, and I'll try to get information and have staff help you. Um, and then we can bring to the board information that will inform your your ratification of that if we move forward. Right. I'm concerned. We talked about he talked about a press release in a couple of days. I don't feel that at this point. I would hate to see in a couple of days a press release that we're going to have it at the college um, because I don't think we're anything close to that. I, I agree with Kyle's point about an impact study. I mean, talking about law enforcement wear and tear on the field you know, um, et cetera. And so I just, I wouldn't want to see that happen, that that comes out in a couple of days, that the college is going to have a baseball field. No, the, 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 baseball the, team here. the, the answer to your question is that the way, it, and, and I'm, I'm happy to have Dr. Kraft review the, the, the verbiage, but, but the way that it, it pretty much is where is it says we're in discussion. It doesn't say we were playing uh, on the Napa Valley College field on the 1st of June of 2018. It's we're currently in discussion with Napa Valley College about the use of their baseball field moving forward. I think, Dr. Kraft, at this point, wouldn't it be if the board is um, in favor of it to, to have you continue this discussion and explore this idea because we can't take any action? No. Right? Um, I, I think that you, you could indicate, and I think you already have, by kind of a straw vote, you know, if, if you will. You know, I'm not hearing... Um, I was I was asking him to come tonight. If there were um, a high level of objection and issue, then it would also give an indication. So I think in terms of exploring more, I think I'm getting an okay for him to explore more. And you know, there's no commitment from the board um, in either case. So great, right? thank you. But yes, okay. Thank Please. you all very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, we are. Mr. Chairman, before you move on. Uh, cannot hear Miss Segura, Trustee Segura, at all. Sorry about that. Miss Martinson talks too close to her microphone. You're too far from yours, and Dr. Kraft is often too far from his. So, as a hearing impaired person, I appreciate. Thanks. Thank you for the observation. Try to do better on that. So we reordered these guys. Yes, now 11.2 is the accreditation update. All righty. Uh, good evening, board members. Um, writing the draft of the follow-up report is underway, and um, last week I sent out an email message. Hopefully all of you received it through the all-staff uh, distribution list, um, and that email indicated that we anticipate posting portions of the draft as we kind of roll them out piecemeal, if you will, um, this week. Uh, I am hoping to send out an email message tomorrow afternoon announcing um, the availability of the first um, kind of batch of uh, the drafts um, tomorrow afternoon, but we'll see how that goes. Um, I do want to make it clear that the link, uh, well, the email that I do send out, and I will send them send out regular updates whenever we post something new, so you'll be um, getting regular messages. I apologize for the multiple ones, but we'll be um, having some notation on the website to indicate what portions are new. Um, anyway, the email will provide a direct link to uh, the part of the website where both the drafts of the follow-up report and the associated evidence will be posted. Um, that is your only way into it. You know, there's not going to be anything clicking on the college website where you could make it the, the key. The entrance uh, is through the link that will be embedded in the email, and that's the only way you'll be able to get it. Um, so the evidence will be posted there as well, and I do just want to emphasize that 
The draft is being released uh, for as an internal communication to the campus community for review. And same thing with the associated evidence. It is uh, an internal planning document and communication document at this point. Um, I also just have a, oh, and one more thing, uh, is that it will require your MVC credentials to enter. So when you'll get the email, if you click on the link, then you'll, it'll look like a white screen and there'll be a little box in the middle that will ask you for your email address and your password. And that's what will open the gate, <laughs> I guess, to what information you can get. Um, I also have a few uh, little updates. I um, had a phone conversation with Jack Pond of the ACCJC um, this afternoon, and we're still uh, actually working on ironing out the date for the site visit. It will be a one-day site visit. Um, I think that apparently there was an issue with the team chair and his availability on the day that we had originally um, selected on our side, and I think we all support having Dr. Llewellyn as um, the lead for the follow-up uh, visit as well. Um, also along those lines, um, so we have obviously three recommendations uh, to address through the follow-up report. Um, originally, the commission staff was anticipating that we would have three uh, individuals as our follow-up team, one assigned to each uh, recommendation. Um, it sounds like there might be a slight refinement to that, um, and probably we can expect four people. Um, and I think that that's more for the not only addressing each of the uh, recommendations and having the appropriate um, faculty and staff with the appropriate expertise, but also to ensure um, a balance of representation from appropriate, uh, you know, just typical team membership. So that's another little additional update. Um, Let's see here. Uh, we the um, so Jack is working on. He, he's sent out invitations to um, the four members of the team that he hopes will be appointed and able to serve. Um, he is awaiting confirmation from their side, and so uh, we should um, hear uh, who will be on our teams as early as next week, with the final date identified as well. Um, and also, I did talk to Jack about what we can expect um, during the follow-up team visit. And uh, it will be, uh, you know, when we submit our follow-up report to the ACCJC, we also send it out um, on a thumb drive to um, all the team members, and that includes the report, as well as all of the associated evidence. Uh, they will then do their homework and read the report and all the evidence and, and do further digging on our website and what, whatever they see fit. Uh, and then they will contact uh, my office with a list of people or groups that they would like to meet with and interview while they are here. Um, it will not be similar to uh, what we have for our comprehensive um, evaluation last time around. There will not be an exit report that the team provides. There will not be a meet and greet that morning. This is they come, they hit the ground running, they're prepared, <laughs> they meet with who they see fit that they need to, they will send, spend a little time in Charo's office digging through personnel files and that type of thing, and then they will um, be on their merry way. So just wanted to let you know about what to expect. So that's my update for tonight. I'm happy to answer any questions if you have any. And otherwise, just keep an eye out for email messages. Did, I'm sorry, did you say you had already sent an email address, a message? Yeah, I sent one out last week. I, I did not receive it, so who would I speak to about that? So. <laughs> I think um, that would be me. 
I sent it to all yeah, staff. So if having issues, I think what I will do is re, is return to your private email addresses because the other ones are being blocked some way, and I don't know why. But yeah, um, I don't think I received anything that, that went to all staff. No, I know. Okay. Yeah. We'll figure it out, but yeah. meanwhile, we'll make sure you get the stuff. So, be a, I don't if, know if the properties of that if, list have been updated. Yeah. If you're going a week without seeing something from the college, something's up, right? <laughs> so, you're not going to get off, right? So, let us know, please. Yeah. Robin, I have a quick question about uh, one of the emails that you're sending. The one that has like status reports about various colleges. Um, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That one. So, because we're, you know, we're not showing up on that. Is that, are those only the colleges yeah. that yeah. there's some kind of? Right. So, so um, what that message was um, from last week was that um, the ACCJC is required um, by federal, I don't know if it's law or statute or what it is, but um, to um, notify uh, both institutions and the field of actions that are taken um, at their commission meetings, and so their meeting was in early January, and they're required to notify the institutions of action taken again uh, on, on their reports. So it's only the subset of institutions that submitted either a follow-up report, a comprehensive, had a site visit, um, et cetera. And so that's what's announced. Yeah, so those were um, institutions who probably their reports were due on October 15th, and then they had a site visit after that. And then um, the next commission meeting was January, and they um, the commission usually sends out two separate um, email messages. One is about actions on policy, uh, and the other one is about actions on institutions. And so that one was uh, the one for the January um, re- report out on their um, meeting. There was a little bit of a deviation from that practice uh, regarding uh, City College of San Francisco and the decision regarding them. They kind of went to the paper with that a little earlier, I think, because of the <laughs> anticipation of that. <laughs> Thank you. 11.3-2015-2016 progress report. All righty. So um, I am here to present the 2015-16 progress report, and I'm going to provide just a little bit of background to that. Um, so each year, my office compiles a progress report on the institutional strategic plan, and the annual progress report represents one of the ways the college monitors performance, and it's intended to help create a common understanding of our strengths as well as areas for improvement. As part of the annual reporting process, programs and services across the college are asked to report out on the most recent academic year by identifying accomplishments related to the institutional strategic plan and, more specifically, the planning priorities established for that year. Uh, The report that's included with the agenda packet for tonight's meeting summarizes accomplishments across the institution associated with the 12 planning priorities that were established for 2015-2016. This year we made some improvements in the process used to compile information for the report um, by relying more heavily on the vice presidents and president to collect summaries of accomplishments among programs and services within their respective areas. And this improvement was intended to engage the area councils, uh, streamline reporting by reporting accomplishments across college structures rather than solely at the unit level, 
and ensure that the VPs and the President were aware of accomplishments within their areas uh, before the report was submitted to the Planning Committee and the Board of Trustees. Uh, in recent years, we've been improving our practices to incorporate more explicit evaluative mechanisms into reports, such as the annual progress report. And these changes include color coding and shading within the report card section, which appears on pages 11 through 14. Uh, this year, the report card was expanded um, to help streamline our reporting processes by incorporating data that was previously included in a separate document called the Data Aligned with Institutional Mission document uh, into one report. The Planning Committee reviews the annual report each year and conducts an evaluation of the progress conveyed in the report. Uh, that evaluation highlights recent accomplishments and identifies areas for improvement. And a summary of the Planning Committee's evaluation appears on pages 9 and 10 of the 2015-16 progress report. Some highlights from the, the Planning Committee summary include uh, an, the increase in student achievement and institutional effectiveness measures, uh, particularly in the area of associate degrees for transfer, where the increase over the past three years has been higher than 400%. Uh, we also um, reported actual attainment of student learning outcomes, and this was the first time that we reported it uh, outcomes assessment information in that way. It's not just activities or uh, actually assessment that's been conducted, but attainment of the stated student learning outcomes. And then uh, there's a noted increase in the employment rate among recent CTE completers that's collected through the CTE outcome survey. Um, at the same time, there's work that remains to be done in other areas, and those include uh, increasing the remedial progress rate for both ESL and mathematics, uh, ensuring that the progress report provides a more complete picture of institutional accomplishments, and that involves increasing the participation to capture 100% of programs and services across the institution, and then improving the report itself, and that involves continuing to implement planning-related improvements, uh, for instance, some things that have already been put into place. Uh, we have a reduced number of planning priorities uh, in years subsequent to 1516. Um, and then we're shifting to the year-round planning cycle to make planning, uh, monitoring, and reporting, and even celebrating uh, more regular activities. Uh, so I mentioned that the annual progress report is discussed by the planning committee each year. It's also shared with the board, which is why it's on the agenda tonight. And then it's distributed among the campus community each year. As one mechanism for monitoring and summarizing our institutional performance, the 2015-16 progress report will be posted on the RIPI portion of the college website associated with institutional planning and the institutional strategic plan. And finally, I wanted to let you know that Rue Brueggemann, who is the faculty co-chair of the planning committee, uh, was scheduled to present this agenda item with me. However, uh, he is teaching this evening, and so he sends his regrets. So I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. I had a quick question just for my own information. I didn't want to guess, but what are the emergency book vouchers? It's on page 33. I mean, we had a reduction of 11%, and it gives the numbers for 2015. I'm not sure. Oscar, was that reported in your area? Is that Yes, it was. And, and uh, the book vouchers, usually they're, they're offered through, through a couple of the programs, one being the, uh, the EOPS program, and it's a service that's, that's provided to students who are, who are eligible, 
And it's usually the number of probably 75 to, to 80 students who are eligible for, for these book uh, grant or vouchers. So basically what they do is they take a voucher to, to, to the bookstore, the amount of, I think it's about $150 or thereabouts, and so they they're uh, they're allowed to use that voucher to to assist with the purchase of their books. Thank you. Just a, um, it's a comment. I just want to say congratulations because I'm. It just looks so different than two years ago, and I I just love that it's more data driven and more results driven, and in both looking at the highlights and the areas of improvement, it's more you know looking at results rather than like you said activities and. Um, I appreciate the shift, like looking at starting to look at that in the future at an institutional level versus just at the departmental level. So I just wanted to acknowledge that and say thanks. Looks yeah, really good. Planning committee had a lot of discussion in December about do we continue to refine this or do we roll it out as it is? And yeah, we will continue to um, make adjustments each year. I have a, a question. I when I was going through this, I noticed something that you commented on that I guess that there's not full participation in this. Um, how does that affect these numbers, or does it? Or, and uh, well, uh, so in terms of the the data and the report card part, since I have access to institutional data, then that's um, you know as complete as it can be in terms of the uh, measures that we've incorporated into this report. Um, the, the other issue, and part of the reason, so in the past, uh, I was the one who sent an email out and said, "Attention, all budget center managers, please send us your list of accomplishments associated with the planning priorities." And we did not get 100% participation, and so that was one of the reasons that we um, tried to increase communication to, um, to the campus community so it wasn't just um, going out to budget center managers this year. And one of the mechanisms that we used, or one of the prongs, if you will, was to engage with the uh, VPs and the president and through them uh, with the area councils and then say, you guys collected, and then um, present the summary report for each of the four areas, and then that's what gets compiled. Um, and I think that the participation rate um, increased, but it's not at 100%. Um, and some of that has to do with representation on area councils. It's not necessarily um, completely exhaustive or inclusive of every single budget center manager um, on those councils. And uh, you know, we, we pushed the deadline, and we extended the deadline, and we didn't get any more, so... Um, something, an area for improvement, and that's yeah, alluded to on, on uh, pages 9 and 10. Thank you. A, a quick question. It's, this is, you're about halfway through a four-year plan. What, at what point will you start looking at um, the next strategic plan? <laughs> Did somebody plant this question that wasn't me? I'm sorry. Um, so, okay, so <laughs> some of the things that we've put in motion since 2015-16 um, one of them is the, rather than doing um, annual, we usually do annual planning priorities, right? And those are established usually um, by February of each year. So that then when we launch um, the planning uh, process for the upcoming cycle, we um, have those in place. Um, for last year, for the first time, we um, recommended and then the board approved two-year planning priorities rather than just uh, one-year planning priorities. And so the planning committee has been discussing, do we want to make that, the two-year planning priorities, do we want to make that the standard practice and not and do away with the annual um, or what? And um, the general feeling was, yes, that having uh, multi-year planning priorities um, seemed a little more um, efficient uh, for uh, planning and reporting and actually accomplishing what we set out to do. 
Um, so then once you start to have that discussion, then you look at the lifeline of our current or time frame of our current strategic plan, which is through 2019. So what we're talking about and preparing for right now is establishing planning priorities for 1819. So when you get to that and you say, I'm going to plan two-year priorities, then that means 1819-1920, well, now we're straddling <laughs> the existing document and then the to-be-determined document. And so what um, the planning committee um, has discussed and is now recommending, and I'm going to whatever ruin the surprise for a later uh, meeting, is that um, we're um, proposing a three-year institutional strategic plan that would span 1819 through... Uh, 2021. Sorry, I have to figure out. It's so, so far away, it's hard to do the math. Um, and um, then that way we would set priorities, and we want to have the, the strategic plan be very focused, um, not as many as 22 objectives like the current one has, and ideally have that overlay, and so that the um, institutional strategic plan equals the planning priorities for those three years, and then we don't have to do go through that exercise, it would just be a refinement, you know, adjust to any um, opportunities or challenges that emerge during that period. Um, that what is attractive about that is that then we could do for the progress report each year, kind of a formative, you know, monitor and report kind of some of the baby steps along the way and then have a summative report of accomplishments at the end of the three-year period. And um, that does happen to align very well with our next comprehensive site visit, which is for 20. 22, and so we would have seen that whole three-year cycle uh, through. So we will be coming to you with that sometime between now and the fall as it's developed. <laughs> but. Right. Thank you. Good. And 11.4, curriculum development overview. Amanda has promised to sing tonight. <laughs> I don't know if I've told her that yet. Um, she's, gonna, <laughs> she's going to do a rendition of uh, uh, Schoolhouse Rock here, how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> uh, let me. <laughs> and Eric, um, please um, be sure to use the mic on this one, okay? Sorry, I had to get used to a Windows machine there for a second, Bob. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, what we're going to be doing here tonight uh, is walking you through the curriculum development process here at the college. And the reason that we're presenting this uh, for you is that you are the end recipient of the curriculum document. So you may recall that nearly every month we bring the curriculum packet to you 
for approval. And so last month we brought one in. We didn't have one that, that went in for this month because we're just in the beginning of the spring cycle. But you play a key role in the curriculum approval process here at the college. And so to make sure that you understand what that document is that comes to you, we're going to, uh, Amanda and I are going to give you the background on all the work that goes into it before it comes to you, and then also what happens to it after you are done looking at it and approving it in most cases. So with that in mind, what we're going to do is look at how an idea becomes a course, and uh, we'll go through this fairly quickly here. So to begin with, this is how it works at Napa Valley College. The very first step in the life of a course is that somebody gets a bright idea. So somebody, anybody, so who can have a bright idea? Anybody can have a bright idea. Uh, that can be a member of the community, that can be a faculty member, that can be an administrator, that can be an elementary school student, that can be anybody that is interested in what we offer here at the college can have a bright idea. The important part is what happens to that bright idea in the next step. And so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Academic Senate President. So, um as it's, and I will not read you this, but rather paraphrase. So the idea is if we're talking about a credit course, we're talking about the source being, um, needs to be a full-time faculty member. So the bright idea can come to a full-time faculty member. Or if it's a non-credit or community ed offering, um, it could, in fact, come to a dean. Dean is responsible. So... Am I just supposed to go on and on? Okay. Um, so this comes, this is not something peculiar to our campus, but rather it is, shall we say, enshrined in law and regulation um, that, uh, that faculty really are the, the source of curriculum, credit curriculum. And, and as it very boldly stated here, it makes sense. Faculty are the discipline experts and therefore would be the best judge, if you will, of, of what makes an appropriate course or sequence of courses. So um, speaking of, what before really, so as this idea is forming, best practice suggests that um, faculty, whether it's, and we do have one person programs here, or fairly sizable programs such as math and English. But regardless, there needs to be a conversation that takes place, either a single faculty program with colleagues in the division or um, a larger conversation with more in a larger department and then in their division to talk about whether there's feasibility for the course, whether there are resources, because maybe a course would require a lab, or there Will there be staff to teach the course? Does the course fit the mission of the college? A fairly fundamental question. Um, is there, uh, maybe there is some kind of um, urgent sort of external force, like licensure or something like that. So ultimately, if, if the answer to most of that is, yes, this, there's a compelling reason to, to develop a course, then in fact that's what happens. And we have a system in which faculty enter and the resulting document is the course outline of record, or core. And the bottom line is a, a core is a kind of legal document. And thereby it, it encompasses kind of important um, bits of data that, that by law have to be in there. But it also is essentially a, a kind of 
somewhat broad-ish sketch of the course. And I say broad-ish because it will have um, essentially, uh, it has objectives and it will obviously have outcomes and it will have the, um, the meat of the course's content. It will also include uh, elements such as assignments. Um, but here is where we get into the these are suggested ideas that cores, um, generally speaking, have both content and then uh, whether it's textbooks or uh, assignments, those can be kind of examples rather than um, prescribed. Um, and, and the idea is that this document provides, this, this kind of document provides a means by which we locally and ultimately beyond us can look at this course, vet this course. So within our community, we have a committee that does this, which I'll talk about in a minute, but the core is also a way that folks outside of our college can look at that course and determine, yes, this course is equivalent roughly to this course over here, and now we will have articulation. Or if there are... Um, Various again uh, bodies that around certification or licensure with um, certain of our programs who are going to want to know well exactly what is the course outline of record of this particular nursing course for example. Um, okay, so hence the and I will not start singing schoolhouse rock at this point. But the, so locally, how we do this is we have a curriculum committee that meets bi-monthly, and it uh, is composed of a faculty chair, because again, law has kind of enshrined that this belongs to faculty. There's a faculty chair, and uh, a, and the, the other is the VPI, um, and together this committee is composed of a smattering of administrators and a pretty wide swath of uh, faculty across the various divisions. The idea being that those folks are both conduits of information back to their divisions, but they also, in some part, might represent, um, obviously, the expertise of their area or their division, or they can at least um, consult with people in their division as necessary regarding curriculum. So at this point, um, this, this committee, using our system, Curriculet, basically vets a course using standards, making sure that there's a kind of integrated course outline of record. Outcomes coordinate with um, and integrate with objectives and is the textbook current and, and, and important little elements like that. And um, again, we're told what a curriculum committee in general should be. And, and as I say, ours um, follows, it's one of our larger committees here, on campus, it, it falls within the Academic Senate, and as I pointed out, they meet on a fairly regular basis in order to provide, first, the, lar the general Academic Senate a packet to approve, or, you know, if there are questions. So after it leaves our curriculum committee and before it comes to you, it comes through the whole Senate, and we are, again, a Senate of the whole, so all faculty. And thereby, um, upon approval then comes to you and you do your very important work. Um, are we almost there for you? And so at this point, um, having come to you, 
And uh, we then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll let Uncle Sam here and Aaron take over at this this All right. So this is when it gets to you. So I, what, what we're really trying to show you here is that this goes through a very, very complex process before you before you see anything here at the Board of Trustees. And what you see is just a summary of the action that's been taken. The thing that I really want to emphasize from that last slide as well that Amanda was just talking about is that this is the Academic Senate recommending this to you, the Board of Trustees. So even though I'm often the one that sits over here and presents the curriculum packet, this is a conversation between you and the Senate. This is not a conversation between you and the administration of the college, not a conversation between me and you. This is, this is a, a real peculiar part of the curriculum process here in the California Community College system, but it's something that um, it's, it's an important thing to remember that that's the, that's the flow of the conversation. So you, the governing board of the college, are required by law and are given the authority by law to then take the recommendation of the Academic Senate and to either rely primarily on their advice and judgment and accept the curriculum packet, as happens most cases, or to enter into a mutual agreement with the Academic Senate. We bring it through the rely primarily uh, strand here, so we bring it directly to you. You vote on the curriculum packet, and you are then, in, you, you are then at that point receiving the work of all of these faculty and these administrators and all of these eyes that have been on it, up to this point to ensure that the curriculum is necessary, that it's compliant with all, with all state and federal regulations, and that it's necessary for the students and that it's feasible, all of the things that we look at in the process. So it's a very complex process here in the community college system. It can take anywhere from a month and a half to six months for it to go from the beginning of that process to the moment it ends up in front of you on that computer screen in the curriculum packet. So that process is a very, very rigorous process. We don't take lightly adding a new course or making revisions to existing curriculum here in the system. Sometimes we need to do it a little bit faster in our career technical education programs. The need to get in and get, get it done and get it approved on a more expedient timeline is, is paramount oftentimes. But once you've done something with it, it's still not a course yet. The student still cannot enroll for the course yet because then it goes to the chancellor's office. I love this little cartoon for the chancellor's office here. Now, having worked directly with the chancellor's office staff who approved the curriculum all year last year, I, they, they look nothing like this and they act nothing like this. They're wonderful human beings, but I, I couldn't resist the little bureaucratic uh, cartoon here. Um, the, the chancellor's office in Sacramento then has to receive every single course every single course revision, every single certificate, every single program, and they review it again when it gets up to Sacramento. Uh, their review is on a different level than what you do and then what the curriculum committee does, but until it gets their endorsement and it's entered into their official system, we can't offer the course. But once they approve it, we then have to publish it in a catalog. So once it's published in the catalog, we can open it up for enrollment, and hopefully it'll be this popular so that it goes online and then you can't get in anymore because it's full. So um, uh, to, to, to switch gears just a little bit and only a couple more slides here on this. Um, so that's the, the approval process for a course, just kind of, you know, in, in kind of a, a very brief summary. It's a much more complex process than what we showed you there in the slides. But programs, so a program is a degree or a certificate. That process also goes through a lot of the same channels that we talked about with the, in the other slides with the courses. But depending on the type of program that we're looking at, it has even more steps that are involved in it. 
Creating a new educational program is a big deal. So um, it starts off again with that idea over there on the left-hand side. It goes to a faculty author, again, if we're talking about a credit program. Um, from there, though, it goes to an additional step that we have in place here at the college for programs. It goes to a new program review task force, which is composed of academic senate president, the vice president of instruction, the curriculum committee chair, and then a faculty representative and, a, and an administrative representative from the area that's proposing it. We review that thing thoroughly to make sure that there is actually a need to have this program. So if this is a career technical education program, does the labor market data support us actually putting this program together and offering it to students? Is there a defined need for this program? Is it feasible? Are we going to be able to afford the faculty that are necessary to do this? So there's a whole slew of questions that we have to, that we have to thoroughly vet before we even let it get into the curriculum process here. So then from there it goes to the curriculum committee through multiple stages to the academic senate, finally to the board of trustees. Now, once it comes to you and you've approved it, we're still not there yet. Uh, we have to take it to the accrediting commission for community and junior colleges uh, with a substantive change proposal so that we can be authorized to author offer that new program. Um, and then from there, we have to submit it to the chancellor's office, and then it has to be published in a catalog. And sometime, sometimes up to two years later from the time it was thought of until it's implemented, students can start enrolling in the program. So it can be a lengthy process. It doesn't always take that long. There are some degrees that we create on a much more expedient basis where some of the entities involved in approval have um, allowed us to shorten up the process a little bit, like with our associate degrees for transfer. We were given fast-track approval on all of those, including from the accrediting commission, which was wonderful. So then you can see that this line is even longer than the last one that I showed you, and almost finished here with this. This is a career technical education program. So this gets really interesting. So a career technical education program has to go through all of the steps that I talked about before, but it also has an additional step, and that is the regional consortium. So in the California Community College System, career technical education is approved on a regional basis. So after, after it goes through all of our local approval processes, before it's approved by the chancellor's office, a group, and for us, our regional consortium is the Bay Area Consortium. So it's, uh, it's a representative body of the, all of the schools in the Bay Area, essentially, um, extending as far south as Cabrillo College. Um, that group looks at any proposal from our college to determine not only is there a need for this within the service area of the college, but is this going to compete with other programs within that region. So they are very keen, the chancellor's office in the state are very keen to not duplicate programs in regions. And so there's this regional approach to career technical education. So if I wanted to start, say, a new basket weaving program here at Napa Valley College, and Santa Rosa Junior College already had a basket weaving program, I would have to take it to the consortium, and at the consortium, the Santa Rosa could say, you know what, that's going to compete with us. There's not enough students in the region to be able to support two programs happening here, and the consortium could say, nope, and it's done. That's it. There's no program at Napa Valley College without that endorsement from the consortium. So I just wanted to illustrate that there's a lot of complexity involved in the development of, a, of an educational program, uh, but you're very fortunate in that what you receive is viewed and worked on and developed and vetted by a whole ton of experts here on campus long before it ever crosses your computer screen up there. So, um, again, this is just a summary for the new course approval. But with that, do you guys have any questions for us about the curriculum process? I have a quick question. I just, with the CTE, 
And the regional review, is there a reason why the regional review part of it isn't earlier in the process so you don't go through this whole effort and then get told no? Yeah, so so we actually, so so the, I, I put this as a single timeline here. There's actually two parallel processes that are happening. We take it to the consortium when it's an idea, and we say, hey, we've got this idea. So there's so we, we kind of get it generally vetted through as an idea first before we go to the trouble of putting everything together to get it to that final point but it does then still have to go through back to that to that point but yeah we always try and have that conversation early um and and again in this region we all know each other um you know so sometimes it's a it's it's a phone call hey can we get this on the next agenda just as a as a topic for discussion you know or what do you guys think or sometimes it's reaching out to the other programs in the area saying hey santa rosa i want to have a basket weaving program you know are you going to support me if i bring this to the consortium so yeah so we we you know i've oversimplified the process if you know nine ten steps here is an oversimplification it actually it actually is but yeah yeah michael Yes, thank you, and I appreciate the presentation. Thank you both very much. The uh, the last report, Dr. Robin's report, was uh, stated that transfers were down four percent to UC University of California. So, the, going through the course catalog, I see some are transferable, some are not. Would a course that is presently not uh, valid at a, or recognized by the UC California system would um, follow similar steps steps to be upgraded or how does that happen yeah so the course outline of record that amanda had mentioned is really the key document in all all of this it's a really particular document in the california community college system so it describes the standards for a course it is our quality assurance it's a legal document between us and the student but also it's the document that our local articulation officer would send to say uc davis and say hey this is our course in you know in Enology, you know, 101, have your faculty review this and tell us if they think that it's comparable to their course. And so we might get a course-to-course articulation, or that course outline of record could be submitted, and they're going to say, yeah, it's generally transferable. We would accept the credits, but we wouldn't take it in lieu of our native course in that particular subject. So there's a whole series of, of levels, but it all comes back to that course outline of record. So um, many years ago, actually, when, when um, Amanda and I were working on curriculum in the art department quite some time ago, UC San Diego rejected a, a proposal because we didn't specify the number of words that the essays were going to be in the, uh, in the methods of uh, evaluation in the back part of it, the types of assignments in the back part of it. So UC San Diego rejected it, said, you know, we're not sure that this is any good. You've got to tell us how many words they're actually going to write, not just that they're going to do a research paper. So we, we ended up with this wall of text that was way overboard, and they eventually accepted it. So there's a back and forth with that kind of articulation or acceptance between us and the UCs and the CSUs. But, yeah, it's a living process. Yeah, Amy and then Mary. I'm just wondering... Um what kind of data do you use to determine student need, which in my mind would mean student demand, that there's an interest for, you know, students want it because they're the customer. What kind of, how do you determine that? So so there's mul- there's multiple ways of going about that. So if it's a career technical education program, the primary data that's reviewed for it is labor market data. So are there jobs for it here in the area, and is there demand for that job? Um, there's a there's a committee that has to be put together, an advisory committee that's composed of local folks from within that industry that advise into it. So we really do flesh out 
um, early on for those career technical education programs, um, that, that sort of data. Now, on other types of data, it, get, it gets, uh, other types of programs and courses, it gets a little bit, um, it gets a little bit interesting because we get into a murkier, murkier area of data. So we have to look at things like, um, so if, let's say we wanted to have a program in, well, we have a program in English, but let's consider that we, let's say for a minute that we didn't. One of the bits of data that we would look at for, to, in developing an English degree is, okay, um, we have X number of students that transfer into the CSU system. Where does an English degree fall in terms of, of, of number of degrees conferred within the, within the CSU or within the UC? So we actually have data that we can look at that way for the baccalaureate level to see if we would actually be able to create a pipeline for students here up into that program. We would talk to regional CSUs and UCs as well to see if uh, to talk about the alignment of our curricular our curriculum to theirs. So there's there's other types of information like that that we would look at within it. Um, in terms of uh, other types of need for courses, um, you know uh, sometimes uh, students will come to us asking, you know, you don't have a course in this, and they do at Santa Rosa, and I really want to be able to take printmaking in the art department, but you've never offered printmaking before. Is that something that you can do? So there might be more informal sorts of surveys that we do with students and get in, input from them in that way. Um, yeah. Actually, um, part of our uh, program review uh, involves, admittedly that happens every six years, but does involve surveys to students. And while I don't know if curriculum is exactly one of the things that they respond to, that is another way of getting some information about what it is they're doing in your particular class. Is there ever, Can we um, let some other people ask yes. questions? I saw everybody over here. Uh, Marianne? So um, the bright ideas. <laughs> what is the reality of where I know in the beginning you said they can come from, you know, an elementary school student, they can come from all these various people. What is the reality? Where do most of these bright ideas come from? Teachers. Okay. Almost all of it originates from the faculty, but that's not. But that's not universally true. Sometimes good ideas are brought in from the community. They're like, "Hey, have you guys ever considered doing this?" Huh? You know what? No, we haven't. Let's give that a shot. So you know, some, sometimes we do get that other input. But but again, really, what I'm trying to say with the bright ideas that any, anybody can have one. They're not all good necessarily, but. Um, typically, though, the courses originate from within the academy itself. They originate from the discipline faculty who know that, you know, uh, to really get a good, solid undergraduate preparation in your lower division transfer prep in political science, I need to have, you know, international relations, and we don't currently offer that, and our students really need it. Or, um, you know, it, we need a drafting course in our engineering program because our engineering students really need to complete that here before they go on. So, Typically, the need is addressed more more typically in that way, but that doesn't preclude, and, and certainly we have lots of examples of courses that came from outside ideas. We really, I, I think this was great. We really needed this. I think that this has been so much needed by our board because it's sort of a mystery when that, you know, falls in front of us. And, and I'm just, when I look at the process, as fun as it was to go through, I can still see that it is a really complex process. And I can't imagine, once it got to us, what's left, right? So have you ever had a situation where a board said, no, we don't want to do this 
this program or this course? Um, not in my experience. So I, I started as curriculum chair in 2005 here at the college. Amanda served for three years um, after me. Never once in all of the time that I've come to this board have I seen a board refuse a course or a program here. But I think that that's down to the quality of our process. We really do have an incredible process here at, at our college. Uh, all of us have been heavily involved in the state curriculum development process as well, so we know how to do it here, and we're really good at it, we like to think. Um, but, um, but typically not. But in some places, oh, yeah, the, board, the, 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 the boards will step in. They can get very political sometimes, depending on the nature of the course that's coming forward. But um, we've always had a very good trusting relationship with our board here, and it's always worked really well. So, no, not at this point that I've seen. Michael, do you have a question? No, I'm... I'm uh, it, Kyle? Covered them. Thank you. I'm just trying to condense it down. Bright idea. So I've been in discussion with a community member for the last couple of years they've been wanting to do this. Mm-hmm. It's a truck driving program. Mm-hmm. Uh, the individual has C-Line Express as his business, and he, I guess it would require a CDL. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that would be a career tech or that would be career technical or? education. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So the com- a commercial driver's license program, some sort of certificate that uh, that prepares a student for licensure in that area. Yeah, that would be career tech ed. And so you know, if a community member or if a business, a local business has an idea on that front, um, that's where Diana Shabodi, our dean of career technical education, would would come into. He into has. Play. Uh, he's all gung ho. He would donate trucks, anything that the curriculum would need, so it's really exciting. I get to but drive one? <laughs> you want to? Yeah, so, so, so in a case like that, that would go to Diana Shabuti and then uh, discussions with the faculty from there to see, what, to see if it's feasible. Uh, one last question. Oh, thank you. Um, when you mentioned that sometimes you survey the students, it made me wonder, um, has there ever been any talk, or maybe it's happened in the past, that you've surveyed the high school students, so you're maybe capturing the ideas of students who don't ever come here that maybe go elsewhere. Has that ever been? Considered? You know, I don't know if I don't know if Oscar, if we've ever done any surveys with high school students on courses that they would want that we don't already offer here. Uh, we certainly have dialogue with the faculty and with the teachers at the local high schools. A lot of dialogue um, uh, with the instructors at the high school and the development of what we offer here because sometimes. We can do something that creates a better bridge from them to us. Um, but n- I don't know of any specific high school student um, surveys. Dr. Kraft. Quick comment. Um, th- when we talked about bringing this, uh, I, I didn't um, imagine there would be this much energy. So that, that's real good. I think an interesting one to bring back sometime would be the, the flip side of this, the, you know, the discontinuance. Yeah. What, what happens? Can you bring a, a, a program out of, out of the cellar and reinstitute it again and those kinds of things. So it's very interesting, that side. So yeah. thank you very much. That yeah, one absolutely. sounds like it'll have to have music. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, Chair, thank can, you. can we have a bathroom break, please? Like five minutes? Break? Five minutes. Okay, let's take a <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Well, it looks like everybody's back in their chairs.
So if we can continue on, our next item is 11.5 District Auxiliary Services Foundation Audit Report. Thank you. So we have two audit reports that we're presenting tonight, the uh, District Auxiliary Services Foundation Audit Report and the Viticulture and Winery Technology Foundation Report. These two foundations are considered, the college is governed by the accounting regulations set by the Governmental Accounting Standards Board. And the Governmental Accounting Standards Board, or GASB, says that if you have an independent, legally separate organization that is controlled primarily by a board of directors that is made up of people from the institution, that these are considered component units. And as a result, they have to be included in the full audit that's prepared for the institution itself. And so since these two um, foundations that are separate legal entities have boards of directors that are primarily made up of people from the college, they are considered component units. So we're bringing these to you tonight as an information item because you have, in effect, already accepted this information when you accepted the full audit report back in December. Now, I will say that the reason that they're coming to you tonight is that we then needed to take these to the individual boards of directors for the two foundations before we presented them to you. Our plan for 2017, this was the first year that we had separate audit reports for these two individual foundations. So our plan for 2017 is to time the presentation of these audits so that when we come to you at the December board meeting with the full audit report, we'll also be presenting the two component unit audit reports so they'll come to you as one complete package. So if we look, the first one is for the District Auxiliary Services Foundation. This was presented to the board of the District Auxiliary Services Foundation on Tuesday, January 24th, and Trustee Segura was there as a, one of the board members. And just want to call a couple of things to your attention. If you, Carly, am I able to bring these this up? Okay. That's okay. If we look at what is labeled as page two of this, which is the second page of the, it's right here, the, the, stop, the second page of the, um, of the audit opinion, this is where the auditors state, in our opinion, the financial statements referred to above present fairly in all material respects the financial position of the Napa Valley Community College District Auxiliary Services Foundation as of June 30th, 2016. So this is what the in the audit world is considered an unmodified or unqualified opinion. And this is consistent with the opinion that we got from the auditors for our full, uh, uh, our full audit report for the college. If we move to the next page, what we see on the next three pages are the individual uh, financial statements. So this first page, it's labeled Statement of Financial Position. That's what in the um, nonprofit world 
uh, this statement is called in the business world, you refer to this as a balance sheet. And so this is where we see our assets, our liabilities, and our net assets. Just call to your attention that in net assets, we have unrestricted funds and temporarily restricted funds. And for a not-for-profit organization, the assets are divided into unrestricted, temporarily restricted, and permanently restricted. The difference being that if I gave $10,000 to the District Auxiliary Services Foundation with no um, restrictions or reservations, that could be used for anything that falls under the foundation. That would be unrestricted. If I gave the District Auxiliary Services Foundation $10,000 and said you can use this to buy equipment, that would be temporarily restricted until such time as they actually buy equipment and then that would be released from that restriction. If I gave the foundation $10,000 and said you must keep this and you can use the earnings on the $10,000 to support the activities, then that would be permanently restricted. So that's the, the distinction among the three. If we look at the next page, statement of activities or what is in uh, the business world an income statement, that's where we see those distinctions unrestricted and temporarily restricted. This foundation does not have any permanently restricted assets at this time. Um, if we look at the next page, statement of cash flows, this is just a, a standard statement that takes us from the income that we generated uh, for the period and translates that into actual change in our cash balance. So notice the change in net assets that's listed at the top of the page, 38412 That comes from the statement of financial position and really shows us the excess of revenues over expenditures for DAS for that period. The next page is a required statement for a not-for-profit organization. We have to indicate how much of those expenditures, how much were program expenditures, and how much of the expenditures were administrative expenditures. And then finally, the, the uh, following pages are the notes to the financial statements, which are a requirement uh, indicating how, what, um, how we value our assets, our capital assets, what the distinction of unrestricted, temporar temporarily restricted, and permanently restricted, what those uh, different uh, indications are. So I'd certainly be happy to answer any questions anyone might have about the DAS audit. Yes. I just had a question about the um, uh, salaries. Is that so? Is it is are the salaries that are accounted for in this like the people who work in the cafe or it, how does? So that would primarily be the people who work in the cafe. That's okay. true. Are there any other s staff associated with this that are not? Um, somehow related to the actual enterprise? So the only staff that are, uh, uh, that are directly paid out of the District Auxiliary Services Foundation would be staff who are involved in one of the services of the Auxiliary Foundation. 
at this particular point in time, it is just the cafe. There would potentially in the future be additional um, additional salaries, additional staff as uh, activities expand. I mean, where where <clears throat> I thought the bo- the bookstore was part of DAS, isn't it? And I don't bookstore. see that anywhere here. So the bookstore is part of DAS, but the bookstore is an outside organization. So the bookstore is operated by Barnes and Noble, and so the we receive proceeds from Barnes and Noble um, for that come from the bookstore operations. But the actual expenditures associated with the bookstore are not accounted for in the Auxiliary Services Foundation because those are all Barnes & Noble employees. Those activities are, are uh, uh, undertaken under an agreement between DAS and Barnes and & Noble. So the only thing that you'd see from Barnes & Noble would be revenue coming in. Where would that be in the, I don't see it in the document, the revenue from the bookstore? So you would see if you look at on page four, which is the statement of activities or the um, income statement, what you see are you see um, uh, um, you you see under um, uh, facilities rental income, you see other revenues, you see. Um, um, uh, other uh, donations listed there and um, net assets released from restriction. So the it would be a combination of all of those elements that would reflect the income coming in from the from Barnes and Noble. Um, the other question I had was about other expenses, which is a pretty big number. Um, Seventy-three thousand. So I was just wondering what would be considered other expenses, and is there a place where we can find more of a breakdown of what falls under other expenses? There certainly is. And so, um, first of all, on page six, you can see that the seventy-three thousand and other expenses is a combination of forty thousand dollars in program expenses and thirty-three thousand in uh, administrative expenses. So we see that breakdown here. The actual backup for those numbers would not appear in this report, and I, I don't have that backup with me uh, tonight, but we can certainly get that for you. I mean, I just have one last question if nobody else does. Um, my last one was um, I'm just wondering about who approves the DAS expenditures. Is I know with the general fund, um, you know, we have, like, board policy around travel, you know, conferences and travel, for example, and all of that. Does those same policies and processes apply to DAS, or is there a different processy? So DAS would develop its own um, processes around how those uh, expenditures are approved and who approves those expenditures. At every quarterly meeting of the DAS board of directors, information is shared. The quarterly financial statements for DAS uh, are shared at those meetings. And so the DAS board is certainly aware of the expenditures throughout the year. So who, who currently determines the expense? Who, who currently chair. can approve the expenses right now? I'm just curious for DAS. So, uh, so who, who currently can, can kind of say this is okay, this travel is okay, or this, who, who does that that's, currently? That's, you're really getting into the 
tiny detail here Not about really. who's approving travel expenses. Come on. Just anything. I'm just and, wondering who approves it under DAS. So currently, everything runs through our district finance system, and so requisitions are created uh, and go through a requisition approval process. At this particular point in time, the um, Carolee is part of that process. Mr. Um, Chair, point of order here. Well, there's, we don't have any question on the table, but we are do need to move on, and this has already been approved, so this is... Great to get a little more information, but most of these questions have been asked before, too. Um, so and and if, it's my understanding could, the only point of order is to be asked. Trustee Mancuso has interrupted me when I'm asking a question. Could, please answer this question, and we can move on to the next item. Okay, so there is a separate approval process, separate and apart from the district approval process, because this is a separate legal entity. Um, but there is that, that a similar approval process in place for the District Auxiliary Services Foundation. That would include the director of the foundations. Um, I'm a part of that being in the, in the uh, district finance office because all of, those, all of those requisitions flow through the district finance office. And then finally, as I say, the uh, quarterly reports of revenues and expenditures are shared with the DAS board at the quarterly meetings. Thank you. Thank you. If we can move on to 11.6. And that's the uh, Viticulture and Winery Technology Foundation audit that was presented this past Tuesday, uh, February 7th, at uh, the meeting of the VWT Foundation Board. Trustee Iverson was there representing this uh, board of trustees. The... Um, and that's why, since it wasn't presented to the VWT Foundation Board until Tuesday, that's why the backup was uh, added to board docs late Tuesday night. Um, similar audit report, um, again, page, uh, page three, uh, or page two, I'm sorry, of the audit report indicates, again, a clean, unmodified, or unqualified audit opinion. Uh, if we look at page three, that's, again, statement of financial position or balance sheet for VWT. You can see that there are no temporarily restricted assets here, so everything is unrestricted. One item that was added uh, this year was a, uh, a calculation of the inventory that was on hand. So we can see that at June 30th, uh, $57,905 in inventory shows. If we move on to the next page, which is the income statement, there's one item here, contributions of $4,871. That was a fundraiser that took place at Whole Foods. Uh, other than that, uh, the uh, income that came in to the VWT Foundation is strictly wine sales with a little bit of interest income. Um, if we move to page six, that's the breakdown of program and management and general expenses. Um, and then finally, a set of notes to the financial statements that are very similar to the notes that you saw in the District Auxiliary Services Foundation audit. Any questions? No questions? Thank you. Okay, thank you.
11.7 Board Policy Manual, first reading of new revised or to be retired policies. Yeah, we will just um, go through, and if there are questions, or um, we can address those, or, or not, you can just see them as info. So, BP 7310, nepotism. Any questions, comments? I had one question about it. Is is Has there been any discussion about strengthening the language a little bit to say, like, the appearance of a conflict of interest? Because I know that in terms of transparency and, you know, what the community may look at, you know, if sometimes there may not actually be a real conflict of interest, but if even the appearance of one can leave a bad taste. Is there someplace in it that you would see that happening? Or just generally? Yeah. I, um, I guess my quick comment would be, it would be difficult for me to quantify that. I don't know what, what I would, you know, I don't know what an appearance would be. So we get into a, that point of law, you know, it might be difficult. I get the point that you're making, but... And um, that language is in the conflict of interest. It is policy. in that one, but not here in nepotism. Right? Yeah. Um, well, there's two documents here. Can we talk about the difference? Because there's two different nepotism documents attached to the item. Yeah, I'd like to see the league, but as far as these two, what, which one are we looking at? I guess we'd be looking at the one that has all shows all the markup, yes. okay. right? Right. Okay, so okay, so the league one, so that's the strict the pure from the league, and then the other one is the one that went through shared governance. Is that confused? Because there's two. So seventy three ten. This right. So that's straight league language, correct? Right. Is that what you're saying, yeah, Carolee? The other one. I'm making sure. Is our proposed okay, and then we don't have the the exist we don't have the existing one. Well, the stuff that's marked. Oh, okay. So it looked like I haven't looked at this. Um, the league one wasn't up yet when I was looking, um, so I haven't had a chance to look at the differences. But is is it the same as the old one that we had, or has it changed since we got the updated league policies? Do you know? Um, the league template has not changed. This document has changed slightly yeah. since you last reviewed it. It has been sort of refined a little bit in the domestic partner uh, family definitions. Um, there were some; uh, they were very minor changes. I mean, it looked like they actually strengthened the league language and made it stronger in several different areas. It was more clear. Yeah. Yeah. We okay with those? Move on to the BP forty one zero six nursing program. We had questions or comments about this one. Is this one based on the CCLC template, or is this our own board policy? We know um, all of our proposed new policies are based on the templates. 
So I was just wondering, um, is this the only program that we have that this, the demand exceeds the number of spaces that they have one just to address this issue with nursing? Because mostly it's kind of addressing this issue of there's too much of a demand, and so how do you decide? So is this uh, specific to nursing because that's the only program that we have that we have to deal with that issue? It is. This one is specific to nursing, but there are other... And I've forgotten. We had we had people waiting in line for something the other day, and I forgot what that was. Eric, do you know? Or Oscar? No, uh, wait. That was uh, for respiratory ther- therapy. Yeah, yeah. I think people were camping out actually. Um, so I'm I'm not sure sure that we wouldn't have some that would follow on for other programs. Yeah, Eric, I don't know if you have any. Well, it was, uh, nursing is a really is a really different program from a regulatory standpoint than everything else here at the college. It has its own section of Title V, in fact, that describes uh, requirements for it, for it, entry requirements into it. It it, it has a it, it's a more tightly regulated program than just about any other other one out there. So uh, policies of this sort at the board level are very common, where they wouldn't be for other programs necessarily on a program specific basis. But nursing requires a higher level of um, uh, policy, just because of the nature of it. So my only question was that um, it mentions the options for when that happens, the options um, that the district has for selecting students. And I was just wondering, which one of these options do we use? And shouldn't we state the one we actually use versus just what the options are for it to inform? I don't know why we would limit ourselves. Well, if it's going to be informative, I, well, what do we, what do we do when the with the nursing program when there's do we which of these processes do we use? I can't answer that. I really don't know. We can we can obviously look. I think that what this would give us is options. We wouldn't. We probably wouldn't. With Eric's you know comment, I'm just trying to think through in terms of faculty would probably meet and and uh, assess these. But I don't have a really good answer here at all. I think Trustee Baker is going to run to the rescue. Yeah, help us. Yeah. Because it's a board policy, it's by definition meant to be broad, and our nursing faculty will draw from this language to determine it. We would not want to be that prescriptive in the board policy because every time there was a change made, it would have to come through you again. That's what the regs are for. So in the, reg, in the regs, it would say which one we use? Yes. All right. Then that brings us to consent calendar 12. Mr. Chair, may I, before we go on to the consent calendar, I just want to say that um, earlier today, we spent some money bringing our attorney in here. And this is out of order. This, this is not on the agenda. It's not our board report. It, it, it's out it of order. reflects what just took place. We were, not, we were requested to not ask staff directly to provide information, and we just asked uh, Bob Parker to provide information, and I would request that we, uh, that the board chair... Uh, do we want to get in Make a discussion? Because sure I'll respond happen. if that's what you want. 
I didn't ask for a report back. I asked for clarifying questions, and we can have that, and we can have a robust discussion. That's part of it our shared asked, values as well. It was asked for additional information directly She's out of to order, staff. board chair. This let's, uh, let's get back to this. Um, get back to the uh, consent calendar at this point. Um, I get both of your points, and I don't think the board as a whole asked Mr. Parker to put together any further reports or information. Uh, so I think that should clarify that issue. Uh, any objections? I'd like to pull 12.3 and 12.4. Okay, with uh, those two items being removed, do we uh, have a motion to approve? All in favor of approving the consent calendar, that would be simply items 12.1 and 12.2. I believe you do that by consensus now, not a vote, per se. Well, we do when we take the whole thing, I believe, but we've just changed it. Okay. You, would, you haven't been, but go ahead. Okay. Well, <laughs> then it is approved. The two items on the, left on the consent calendar are approved by consensus. So do we move the two that are pulled to the end of the action items? Um, it is your preference. Would you like them at the beginning or the end? Or All right, let's just push them down in um, the front of the uh, action items here. So that our uh, American Canyon Family Resource Center agreement would be 13.1. Okay, is there a motion to approve that item? Move to approve. Is there a second? Any discussion? Yeah, I just had a question. I mean, one of our roles is to make sure that groups that could be affected or have an interest um, have been had a chance to weigh in. And I was just wondering if the um, academic senate had a chance to look at this language and also the the, the faculty union. Um, I was specifically concerned about language, especially after today's presentation, that talked about. Um, this nonprofit, which they're great. I've worked with them in the past. I respect them. But there's uh, part of it is that they'll review certificate and degree programs. Um, I was just wondering about that, the, if that was appropriate. And then um, they also talked about that they would be do, doing career advising, which sounds like counseling. Um, and so I was wondering about that as well. Okay. Uh, I'll... Uh, to answer your question, no, we have not looked at this. So, yeah, so on page two it says uh, one of the things they would do is review of existing NBC certificate and degree programs. Um, and then there's other parts that talk about that they would be doing career advising. The idea is that they, uh, the, the review of the programs and the certificates would be uh, in accordance with and and in, and in collaboration with our council division, uh, which was composed of uh, mostly fa faculty members. 
that's that's where that the connection between the faculty and, and, and this agreement come into play. And then the last thing was um, in the past, a counsel I, I, in the past has it always been an outside agency that's run the career center, or has a counselor, a part time counselor, or full time counselor in the past um, run the career center and? Um, Dean, Dean Willis, could you join us here, please, at the podium and and uh, offer the details, please? Since you've been here uh, since 5 o'clock, give you a chance to speak. Uh, thank you, Howard Willis, Dean of Counseling and Student Success, and I love being here because because I served on boards uh, over and over again for many years. So just for clarity, um, the MOU with the American Cam uh, Family Resource Center, the... Uh, Individuals will be reviewing our certificates and degrees to match, to better align our job postings and our outreach and inreach to employers. Um, that is their level of degree of, that, uh, of review, and that's it. Uh, faculty, uh, our career, our faculty that teach career counseling classes. Um, and do advising, excuse me, and do counseling is separate from career advising. Their career advising is helping students um, with their resumes, their cover letters. Um, they'll be doing workshops on uh, interview skills, uh, that type of nature. So it's a clear distinction um, between the uh, advising. And so that's outlined on page five of the MOU that they'll be linking with employers to do that level of research. But the whole entire goal is that we need to provide quality uh, services to our students. We need to connect. Uh, it's a priority uh, of mine, as well as I, my priorities are aligned with, the, with our, our mission, um, our pipeline of services. And so um, our students deserve uh, to have enhanced career services. There are a lot of employers out there and that is one of the areas in which uh, we are depleted at this time uh, in the uh, career and transfer center um, with the secretary retiring uh, job development specialist position, which we're working on uh, to, to post again, which haven't uh, been available in over three years. So it's just very important for our students uh, to have these services. And so... The American Canyon Family Resource Center, or SparkPoint, um, I've done in terms of extensive analysis. They have programs at Kenyatta College and Skyline College. And so we're looking at how we can maximize um, what we don't have and enhance it. And at the same time, our faculty is who's very engaged in this process. It didn't require vetting simply because we're not uh, doing anything that would go into the area of that requires vetting. It's looking at services, career services. Um, our faculty still teach the counseling classes. We'll continue to do that. So it doesn't uh, overlap uh, and require that. It's just uh, it's our services, career services. Is this a kind of an experiment, or is this something... I guess what I'm asking, is this temporary, or is there a plan to hire a full-time person or part-time, like an actual employee to do this, or? The, the, my vision is to have the best of both worlds. Uh, we still have a full-time position that we need to fill, uh, and that we will, but this, that's a job development specialist position, which is a classified position. 
uh, our faculty. Uh, we're working with our faculty to enhance our, our career development, and this is an outcome of um, the evaluation piece uh, in which many of our faculty is requesting uh, to have uh, more professional development in the areas of career. Um, understand that some, even though it's a part of their um, qualifications to do uh, personal academic and career counseling. There are some who have who may have career background. There are some who haven't had it in a while. There's also assessments involved. And in light of Triple SP, we're able to um, use Triple SP funding. Uh, although it is all money is district money, this money is actually coming out of Triple SP, so it doesn't impact the 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 our, any current piece. Um, we're at a at a point where for our for our students at Napa Valley College, either we're providing extremely minimal services, which I don't think is a benefit for us considering the business community wants more engagement with us. They want to employ our students. As my area of responsibility, um, I, I must provide this for the core of our students. This is what, this is what we're all about. Uh, and, and at this particular level. And so there's a lot of benefits, a lot of enhancements to the institution, which is which outweighs, uh, it's a very, actually, extremely minimal expense. So I did analysis. I, too, like data. I, too, I look at the fine lines. Uh, it's a strategic initiative, looking at how we're moving into our unit plans. It's something we're going to put in our unit plans. So it is a collaborative uh, effort and there's language in there that says it's in collaboration with our counseling faculty. Yes, yeah, uh, so as so a short, we're supplanting, uh, we're, we're enhancing. Thank you. Can I just make one quick note? Since it's already been pulled, I, I think it would be good in the contract part document to clarify that the document that's labeled proposal and scope of work is Exhibit A, because there's a reference to Exhibit A, but it doesn't specify what the title of Exhibit A is. So. I think that's for the uh, people who developed the contract and not the board. Um, thank you. There being no other questions, can we uh, call the question, please? All in favor? Carly? We, oh, there it is. Ah. Wow. Yes. It was unanimous in favor. Okay. 13.2 Human Resources Document. Their motion to approve. Whatever is needed, I have to recuse myself from check number zero two nine zero five six one for possible. I think you. I think you're looking at that's something it. else. That's HR doc. Oh, that's HR. Yeah, that's a different. Oh, I'm not renumbered. <laughs> All right, it still stands. and move approval. Do I have second? Second. Discussion. Questions. Rosada, <laughs> second. Questions. Um. Well, kind of more than to say I'm going to now request for some information to come back um, at a future meeting, um, if the board will have it. Um, I'm abstained from approving this document. I was actually, don't have enough information. I was surprised um, that um, there was another change to the president's office, and there was a creation of a new position, uh, the part-time um, executive assistant to the, the president. Um, and so what I'm requesting, well, first of all, just a concern, just a concern about creating new positions when, you know, 
enrollment's declining, we have budgetary issues that we still need to resolve, and uh, so I have a concern about that. But what I'd like to request is um, a report back on what the bigger vision is in terms of the reorganization of the president's office, because there's been several new positions created through these personnel documents, and I just kind of want to know where we're going with all of this and, and see it all laid out on you know, the plan. What, it, what is the plan? Um, we had the change... Um, you know, with Carolee's position from special from executive assistant to special assistant, and now there's a new part-time executive assistant to the president, and just would kind of like to know where this is all going, rather than seeing it one at a time on the personnel document and being surprised. Let me give you the short answer. I, I, um, an email with that, with the or the plan and organization um, was sent today, but I don't think that you're getting your email, so um, that information you have, if you require more, connect with me, and I'll, I'll be happy to walk it through. I sent it. I'm sorry. I sent it to the EAMI one, so you should be getting that as well now. Thanks. Any other questions or comments? Does the rest of the board feel that additional yeah. information is needed? Was it already provided? Yeah, I already sent it. At me, yeah. So yeah. I feel I feel confident in what I've done, and probably would not provide more without voice. Okay. So it sounds like Dr. Kraft has provided that in. Maybe I've read if there's it. There's an issue later. We can discuss that. Can we call the question? I just want to make a point of clarification. No new job has been created. What we are about to prove in the HR consent um, uh, document is a temporary position that is titled executive assistant that is due to end at the end of the academic year. So. We actually have a process that's tied to our budget approval process to approve a brand-new position, but no new position has been created. So I just wanted to let the board know it's for a temporary position. Thank you. All in favor except Trustee Martinson, who abstained. Thank you. 13.3, ratify financial documents. Do we have a motion to approve? So move. Second. Second. Kyle Iverson, second. Any questions or comments? Is that your, is that your That's item? My rank. Yes, okay. but I. It's check number 0290561, and that's to. Uh, my mother has invested money into that company. So he's. he's um, Just that one check, that one otherwise I'm That one item. That one check. I think um, you can just disclose yes. that. Yes, all right, very good. Thank you. So disclosed. To the satisfaction of all my uh, colleagues. Thank you. Yes, seeing no questions or other comments, can we call the question, please? Oh, here's a good one. And so that was unanimous in favor, except for, well, no, he disclosed the conflict. Thank you. 13.4, faculty sabbatical leave request for 2017-2018. Move to approve. Second. Questions, comments? I was just wondering how many of these can happen each year. That's all I would like to know. As many as are feasible. Um, typically, um, typically uh, except for the years when we suspended sabbaticals, we would do uh, a one semester and a one year. Um, in this case, we have three one semester, so it's the equivalent of the of the one semester in one year. So that it's usually in this range. What else? Thank you. Call the question. 
So moved. Yes, we did. We did? Okay. All right. Kyle was second. Sorry. Jennifer was second. Oh, someone over there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. Got your back. Mr. Baldini. Let's pay attention here. It was unanimous in favor. 13.5, 2017 2018 academic personnel status document. Do we have a motion to approve? So move. Second by Rosaura Segura. Questions, comments? Discussion? Seeing none, can we call the question, please? Move to approve. Unanimous in favor? Yes. 13.6, 13.6, California Community College Chancellor's Office, quarterly financial status report. I believe this is one we removed and went over to March. 13.7, San Francisco VA Health Care System Memorandum of Agreement. We have a motion to approve. So move. Do we have a second? Second. Questions, comments? Is that a question? Um, a while back, we um, we hired a veteran specialist, and I was wondering: does this supplant that, or will this be an addition to that? How does how does no, that fit with the veteran specialist that we hired? Yeah, we uh, we hired a uh, specialist in 2013, I believe it was, and that was to offer more services to to our veterans that we had here. In addition to that, we also opened a center, as you're aware of. Uh, but with this, this is this is like a new arrangement. It's it's a new uh, it's a, a new partnership that includes uh, the VA for San Francisco as well as Pathway Home, uh, which is a service uh, for for veterans through the veterans home. And so, what this is going to do this, this again, this is going to enhance the service that we currently offer by by providing a uh, psychologist specifically for for veterans who are going through through adjustment. Uh, your situations, uh, particularly those that have men- mental health needs. So this is a great partnership. In fact, we've been waiting for, for this to happen for about the last four months. And um, and the individual will be housed in the transfer center, uh, and appointments will, will be made uh, with, with this counselor, with with, with with a psychologist. And so it's enhancing services and it's also planning. Thank you. Call the question. Unanimous in favor. Okay, down to 14. Board reports, 14.1, standing committees, and other reports. Viticulture and Winery Foundation, Board of Directors, Iverson. Uh, We did meet, and we went over the BWT audit report, which everybody has seen tonight. Uh, We also... 
discussed our uh, current score on our wine and what the plan is to start utilizing that for some marketing. Uh, it was a good meeting. It was my first meeting. I really enjoyed it. And I think there's a lot of potential for even more growth on the DWT area, and I'm excited to contribute. And that's it. Thank you. District Auxiliary Services Board of Directors, Segura. It was also my first meeting. It was a really good meeting. I'm, I'm glad I'm there, and I'm excited about everything that's going to happen um, with all the new plans. We also went through uh, the budget report, and um, I'm glad that the questions that came up in December about the budget and, you know, foundations and budget reports, and so clear as mud. No. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I see your your reports, both of your reports are attached to this item, so they're, they're down there for the board to look at if they'd like. Thank you. Uh, Legislative Affairs Committee, Iverson. We did not meet. Um, we need to get something scheduled, so I'll coordinate with Carolee and <clears throat> set something up. Okay, thank you. And the Audit Committee. Mancuso. We have not met. And I just noticed that we have not met. That my name should actually be there, not Kyle's for audit committee. He's sneaking in everywhere. <laughs> we'll make that correction. No. Or is that right? No, that's, yeah, I think. Um, what, what should it read? Mancuso. Mancuso. Baker, Baker and, and Martinson. And Martinson. Okay. Now, there's an idea to, to expand this committee a bit, include, <coughs> make it a little broader. Uh, this not, one in, I, not in terms of number of people, but scope of. The scope, the in, scope yeah. of. Uh, oh, um, I think financial. there was some, yeah. Um, Bobby might speak to this just a little bit. We had talked about it. In sure, we had we had had some conversations about this being an audit and finance committee, and so that it would function not just to review uh, the annual audit, but also to review uh, interim financial statements and and uh, budget reports and things of that nature prior to them coming to the full board. I, th I think that's something that the board would need to take action on. So, um, how is the What we will do, let me think about it. Um, we may have to bring it back as an action item then for you to vote on. I mean, I'm, I'm a little unclear on our I, I think that would have to Actually, I, I don't think it needs to come back as an action item, but if it requires a change to the bylaws since it's a standing committee? I don't know. That might that might it's need a to name, come back. It would be a name change and probably a broader mission to that standing yeah. committee. So I think we had to bring it back to describe it for you yeah. so you're more clear. But you could still start doing that work. I mean, there's nothing that's, you know, would prohibit you from, you know, Bob says no. <laughs> okay, well, maybe we can get that back at our next sure. meeting. absolutely. All right. McPherson Distinguished Teacher Award Selection Committee, Baker. I've heard nothing. 
<laughs> I'm not sure who I need to contact, actually. Or um, they contact me. They will contact That's you. That's what I assumed. They started forming up just recently, and uh, we did provide your contact information. All right. I'll sit tight. Thank you. Okay. 14.2 Ad Hoc Committee Reports. We've got one. District Real Property Asset Review Committee. And Paul D. Thank you very much. I'll... Immediately turn it over to my associate, uh, Kyle Iverson, uh, and we were going to pass out a by bullet point, which summarizes what I'll read following this. No, I have one, thank you. Did everyone get one? I have one more. Does everyone have a copy? Do the VPs need one? You're on. So I, this is a, a little report that I put together. Um, we did meet and we met with the wine train and it was a some really good discussions. Uh, reflected in this report and actually wanted to hear what uh, Trustee Baldini's comments were on it. I don't know if everyone's had a minute to look at the report or if you guys want me to read it for you. So I'll take it over to, to scope it out. So the, uh, I believe I mentioned in our November meeting about a chance meeting with some of the partners. As you know, the, the wine train as we've known it has for since 1989 has been acquired and sold to a uh, a consortium or partnership, if you will, and it's partially owned by a um, development company in Walnut Creek and partially owned by 50-50 by the Noble House, which operates luxury hotel facilities worldwide, and they're based in Seattle. And uh, so at a, uh, at a wine tasting, it, uh, we started talking. I introduced myself as a trustee, and, and uh, some months went by. And this, this uh, past month, they, they uh, contacted me again and asked uh, for, a, or for a meeting. So with a recently uh, formulated ad hoc committee on district land use and asset management. I, I felt uh, authority to uh, um, meet with them. And it was a, a fascinating meeting because the, the, uh, we share a, a, a piece of property with them, or, or certainly their right-of-way is just to the west of us. And... Um, they uh, they want to change the the whole uh, um, community relationship as far as the wine train uh, rather than a in a barrier in a point to point system. They see synergies uh, up and down the valley, and uh, particularly here at the the college, as they presently go going through an expansion mode, adding additional equipment and. Uh, locomotives and, and such, they've found a need for 
for welders. They found a need for uh, culinary uh, arts uh, folks. They found a need for, uh, with the hotel chain, the hospitality management. They're not talking uh, 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 maintenance. They're talking back of the house, management positions, and and a, um, a career path, if you will. So it, um, and they're, I, I would say they, they made a, um, a an offer, a verbal, to to sit down if it uh, meets the the board's uh, um, approval to enter into some sort of discussion with uh, actually investing in a commissary on our property. Um, I believe it would be um, in the the area uh, bordered by uh, Imola or, and uh, their tracks. And the in, initial uh, phase would be a, uh, a commissary, which they would move. Apparently they have a 3,000-square-foot state-of-the-art facility, and they would be interested in, in uh, establishing internships or possibly even sharing the the uh, uh, the, the commissary with a, a element of our culinary arts program. They also uh, would be interested in talking about um, housing, um, and they would also be interested in looking at our uh, St. Helena. Uh, campus to see what uh, might, um, as far as the hospitality programs uh, that we currently uh, um, offer about building on them to help uh, through a career technical education program is, is help train their their staff and on the luxury end. And so, so I will, um, you, you see some of the bullet points here, and it, it just went on and on and on as far as um, their their level of interest. I would have to characterize as being very strong. So uh, this is a, an actual letter from one of the uh, partners, email I received uh, this afternoon, and, it, um, um, and it's from the, the partner, Greg. I am outlining our interest to explore a mutually beneficial partnership between Napa Valley Wine Train and Napa Valley College. Um, focus on near-term ideas, uh, vocational type of job training, with ultimately a placement program upon completion of course material in their organization. Uh, We're exploring relocating our maintenance and commissary facility. I'd like to have the college consider creating a new complex that would enable us to operate our food prep, uh, maintenance, and restoration operation all levels of food preparation on the food side and all levels of, uh, of um, heavy repair to diesel engines, uh, uh, again, a vocational or what uh, Trustee Emeritus uh, um, Dan DeGuardi was talking about, tips would po- be a possibility, machine shop, welding, electrical and plumbing, uh, fabrication, um, these skills could apply to employment in new, numerous professions. On the topics of the bigger picture, we'd like to explore partnering in the construction of student housing. 
as well as a business hotel that could be incorporated into your curriculum. Additionally, we're exploring the development of uh, two additional hotels, one in Napa and one in St. Helena. We would be interested in exploring how that may tie into your St. Helena campus and how there may be synergies for us to work together at Valley. We have a broad skill set, capabilities that would feel would be a great fit with the college and look forward, look to us for the next steps. So it, it's... Uh, Just to piggyback on that and uh, kind of... I can't think of the word right now, but there's a lot of opportunity. And to have um, the wine train approach us with this, you know, opportunities is something that I would think would be worth having as an information item. Or It certainly seems unprecedented, but it, it seems a lot of merit. But I certainly want, well, I think we could... Get some feedback from. Are the they talking about relocating this space that they have on Eighth? That's correct. That's correct. It sounds it. Yeah, well, it sounds like there's a lot of things in there that I think Ron would need to follow up on. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to our committee. Mm-hmm. It would be probably framing up an info item. Yeah. Similar. Mm-hmm. Let the board have information and see what see what because there's goes. a lot there are programs yeah, and that is yeah, yeah. so has that's to go other you know we're the recipient and and uh, I, I I believe and I think my associate believes that this is uh, how it, how some worthy of some uh, some investigation and yes, some, obviously what is our our uh, master plan and how is that. Yeah, this would fall out. Um, yes, there's there's many issues there. But, but yes, so yeah. lots of uh, information and, and things to look at. A lot of exciting stuff came out of meeting with them. So, so is it the board's pleasure that I work on the info item to bring to the? Is that what you're asking? That's what I'm suggesting. Okay. So yes, yeah, yeah, so I, I would uh, looks like su- suggest is, information okay. in agreement. It's. <clears throat> Wine train info item, and we'll explore it, and we'll we'll put some parameters around it so it's not just a wide. Even have them come in and yes. present to the board. If... That's what I mean. They will yeah, come in. Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about me doing it, but I'll we'll frame it up so they can come in. So we got to you know, right? Put our hands around it and understand what these words mean as mm-hmm. to them and, and to us. It's good. Sorry. Right, Mr. Chair. Would this be the place to request maybe a new ad hoc committee? Well, we are in the ad hoc committee section. Is that, is that okay? Uh, what did you have in mind? Well, we had a great conference uh, last week, and I think one of the things that I took away was uh, that was really helpful was all about the ideas about streamlining meetings. And not so much the stuff Laura talked about today, but more specifics. Um, and I thought it might be good if some of us that went to the concert, uh, conference, concert? Did we go to a concert? <laughs> um, 
could maybe talk about those items and bring some things to the board that that might help us. I don't think you need an ad hoc committee for that. Can't that just be a report? Information item? I think it would be an ad hoc committee for... I mean, it, you're talking about bringing back recommendations. Right, it might. We would we would hash out all that we brought back and and come back with, um, you know, some items that we thought we might want to implement. This it sounds a little bit like it might affect some of our policies. On or even we, creating new policies. I actually had made a couple of notes. We were Same like thing. on a synergy tonight or something. I know. I don't know. But I'd actually made some notes kind of along that line that I was planning to just jet to you in an email. But if if it's something that it, a couple it people may, want to discuss. It may develop into that, that some there could be some policy tweaks. But um, it's worth investigating. Well, because I'm wondering how would we carry out those um, recommendations if not by policy or modifying our we'd have to look I know Carolee's wing and we have a we have a board policy on meetings and agendas correct right? and we also have administrative ARs. regulations yeah. in chapter two which are sort of like your bylaws uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think to help you could meet and discuss kind of best practices that you had heard and then through the lens of our AR they might ever. They might already be in there. We may not just be doing. You know, might be right. Yeah. True. Could and be. And then, if there were significant changes, then that would be a board policy or an AR change that would probably come back to you. But, you, but you Marianne and I can have coffee and then shoot you a joint email. <laughs> um, I'm perfectly willing to try that and see if it works as an ad hoc or, or it needs to change mm-hmm. uh, depending upon how that. Uh, comes out. So, if you two are willing to serve, I don't know if there's mm-hmm. somebody else. Do you, Rosetta? Do you want to join us? I go back to okay. our, so our, our board we, policy on creating committees. That it needs to be agendized because it needs to come through board action. We might want to change that, but current policy says it's not, board action, no, not, not an ad hoc. Our he poli- can appoint. He can appoint. Any we might time. need to change it so that it, it doesn't include ad hoc. But right now, it says all committees are created through board action. So. I, I think it would need to be an agenda item unless we change that in our board policy. Can that be put on the agenda for the next meeting, the creation of this ad hoc Laura committee? I said earlier that the chair could appoint any time an ad hoc. That's what I understood her to Legally, say. Legally, but not according to our board policy. If, if our board policy, so we need, could we look at the board policy? Um, if that's required, we will get it on the next agenda. If not, maybe you could let me know, and I will appoint the committee. Yeah. Right. So you're appointing, another way to say that, would you're, you're appointing the ad hoc committee, and if there is something that prevents that, I'll let you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Either way. Right. Well. But tomorrow, I'll forward you this stuff. Yeah, if, if we sure. take a look at that. Absolutely. And so also, as I understood, Laura, I can uh, appoint an ad hoc committee at any time. That was my understanding. So. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, 14.3, trustee board reports, uh, keeping in mind everything we learned today. Um, we're going to start 
Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, okay, I would just like to report uh, how important I think it is for us to have a strong, positive presence in the community. It's really exciting to hear of things like working with the wine train. Um, it was really awesome having Bruce Johnson come and talk about professional baseball being played on the campus, uh, and especially that MVC is hosting the festival Napa Valley. I mean, yay, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, that being said, I'm looking at our mission page right on the website. Um, we, of course, in a certain capacity, we serve students and the community. Our students come from our community. We want all of our community to be students here at the campus. So I do believe that it is absolutely in line with our mission to serve our students by bringing in our community to help us support this whole thing. So uh, all of these conversations are very exciting. Um, of course, as long as it's done correctly, it can be extremely advantageous. And, um, you know, these partnerships, as long as they're not in any way detrimental to anything that we have already established for students, I think we should look into all of them. Thank you. Marianne? Thanks, is that all? <laughs> took away from that. That was great. I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed getting together with everybody out of here and just building the camaraderie and team spirit. That was great. And getting to know quite a bit about Jennifer. <laughs> Um, but uh, today, this morning, uh, I also attended the Government Affairs Committee meeting in American Canyon, uh, which was great. It was informative, and one of the things that um, that I took away from it is that the Grid Island Road, Green Island Road businesses have such a difficult time finding people in logistics and various things. And I, interestingly enough that we had our how to turn an idea into a course, um, I mentioned to him that he should tap into the college and find out, you know, what kind of training or what kind of CTE programs might benefit some of the companies back there because they're massive. You know, these are... These companies have so many employees, and and from what I understand from a lot of them is that they would like to upskill, I think, mostly. Um, so anyway, that was, that was uh, a good part of that conversation. Thank you. Rosanna. Uh, I also enjoyed the conference very much. Uh, there were many things that I uh, took away from it, and um, you know, realizing or um, what my function is as a trustee, and what my function is not as a trustee. So you know, that's that's clear, very concise, and and I have a lot of respect for senates and for. Each one of your of your jobs, so there's great appreciation 
and what to do and and um you know and we'll keep him plugging away um i also have to tell you about my dinner with my kids because it pertains to students uh we were out a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> and um a very popular place i'm not making any commercials um so we had to sit at the bar because we couldn't wait for a table um the lady right next to me struck a conversation with me, and she said, "Oh, you're having dinner with your kids." And I said, "Yes." And I said, "So, so am I." So we started talking, and and she said, "You know, my son is doing the culinary program." And so conversation went on, and I said, "So great." So he's doing the CIA culinary problem. She's like, "No, no, 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 that's too expensive." He's doing the Napa Valley culinary program, and she had nothing but good things to say, especially because she said, "You know, my son." is hearing impaired, <clears throat> and the college is going out of its way to accommodate him. You know, they're making all kinds of offers. She says, and it's really nice because um, we thought it was just cooking and recipes. We didn't think there was going to be any books and studying and homework, and so so that was really nice to hear. And afterwards I said, I'm a trustee. <clears throat> um, so those are really good things. And also... Uh, last meeting, Trustee Baldini said, here's my hundred bucks for a water fountain to refill bottles. I'm glad that, you know, there's two of them, but why not have three? I have a hundred bucks on me right now. Right. So, Here you go, Bob. You, you got to take it while she has it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because with kids, they don't last. Why don't you give it to Bob right now? I want to get this. Uh... <laughs> It can be a trustee found. I don't know. Right, that's very nice. And it was really nice getting to know some of you socially. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Amy? Okay. Um, let's see. I'll try to keep this short. Um, I, I don't have access to my car, call Gmail like we, I mentioned, so I might have already received these things, but if not, I'm... Again, asking for the summary of the recommendations from the, the parliamentarian, also the copy of the Exhibit A from the CTE data unlock grant, and um, this time as a public records request. Um, activities, I went to the big event um, and represented Napa Valley College along with Trustee Baker and Dr. Kraft, um, and it was a very nice event. Um, basically, uh, the purpose of the event was for Dr. Sweeney to deliver his State of the District report, um, which normally he just does annually in front of the board at a board meeting, but they decided to tur turn it into a bigger event, um, a luncheon. Very nice at Silverado. Um, who's who of Napa was there, all the educational leaders, many elected officials, and so forth. Um, so it was very nice. Um, and they featured different district programs. Um, so anyway, it was a wonderful event. Um, as far as the effective trustee conference, I really wanted to go to that. I was sorry that I couldn't go because I enjoyed it last time I went. Um, I'm actually going through a yoga, yoga teacher training program right now to teach yoga to our, our high school students, and it was a training weekend. So I couldn't go, but I look forward to hearing all about it and what you guys learned. Um, agenda requests, I'll send these to you in writing, uh, which I sound, sounds like is our new process, but... Um, just briefly, I want to say, I, in here I said special committee, but I'm actually starting to think that we need a standing bylaws committee. 
um, when our attorney mentioned that when you think of a standing committee, it's something that's going to be regular part of the workings of the board. I think we're constantly going to be looking at our bylaws and you know reviewing them and updating them and maybe adding to them. And so I think that um, I'd like to have that on agenda, standing committee for bylaws. Um, and specifically, I'm interested, as I mentioned before, the agendas uh, by law. Um, after today's presentation, I think we need to look at our, our one-on committees, formation of committees. Uh, and then as far as new bylaws, I'd like to talk about uh, district legal services and also the creation of new positions. Um, actually, Valeo Unified and, and the USD, I received both of their, their uh, district legal, legal services bylaws. They're they're very interesting. They have really important things in there, and I'm kind of surprised that we don't have anything at all. So, um, and then lastly, the land use committee. Uh, again, I know we're looking at that that policy, but until we change it, um, I'd like to request that that be put on the agenda for the next meeting because we actually took action on the uh, an item that was not on the agenda. Um, so I'd like to redo that, uh, and that's it. Just uh, on one thing, the uh, parliamentarian's report, he actually gave that to us here when he came back to talk to us. A written report? Yes. Oh, I didn't get it. To, to my personal? Okay. Yeah, I haven't checked my email yet today, so I'll, I'll check on that. Thank you. Jennifer. Been a long month. Just like <laughs> well, it's just been tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I went to the um, back to school welcome back thing and uh, was very cold sitting outside <laughs> with Kyle. And I got to didn't have a whole lot of interaction with students, but did enjoy it. Got to show them where Building fourteen hundred was many times, so I know where that is now. Um, and went to Sacramento. Very informative. Very fun and interesting. Um, I did have a quick question because uh, with the regard to um, the different um, the Senate groups and and their meetings and it, has it ever been discussed to give them access to using board docs? Because so, I was looking online for like agendas and minutes and like there, there's a page with, with the PDFs and whatnot, but just having it all in one place would be really nice if we could explore that. I don't know if that would be something that would be an extra expense or... I think or it's approximately $12,000 more a year to allow board docs to do multiple bodies, but okay. it is possible. Okay. Um, then I met with Bob, and he answered a bunch of my questions. Thank you so much for your time. And a uh, big event was... a Big success, uh, so thank you both for coming. Uh, and we in VUSD will be doing another event, um, Family Festival, on April 29th, which is a Saturday. It's um, basically we invite um, different groups in the community to come and set up a booth and talk about what you provide for um, local families and um, potential students. And so we've sent an invitation and haven't received a response yet. So, if there's anyone else I should rattle. <laughs> it's April 29th. It's going to be a crazy day. There's lots of stuff going on. There's going to be a car show next door at Napa High, same day. So, all right. <laughs>
what was the name of the event or the it's called family festival thank you and i may have just sent it to the wrong person so i sent it so should i send it to you and just you can yeah okay i'll send it to you and then you can delegate <laughs> thank you yeah, they, they received it i saw it Thank you. Kyle. I uh, attended the Sacramento conference with uh, my fellow trustees, and it was great getting out of the boardroom and uh, building some camaraderie with our new trustees, and it was great. Um, also, just wanted to let everyone know about an event this Sunday. It's uh, Gary Lieberstein's retirement, but in his retirement, I think he's going to stay pretty busy and he has this idea of a family justice center and the event uh this weekend it's from two o'clock to four thirty at the hall residence and he's going to be discussing that so really neat event great idea i'm involved with mentis and the mental health in napa valley so seeing anything related to a family justice center i think is a good thing i'd love to see some of you guys there you're able to make it. It's on the napanews.org if you guys wanted to get a ticket. What's the news for domestic violence? It's this Sunday. That's it. Thanks, Kyle. Michael? Yes, a ticket. That's a surprise. So it's pay to play? Pay to play, but it's going for the Family Justice Center. That there's already been fifty thousand dollars raised. Um, they're trying to find a home for the Family Justice Center. So, thank you. Um, it's a hundred bucks. It's not. Oh, it's. it's yeah. We'll just take roses. Yes. If you if you want to go um, to that, you know, or I could go and you could come and be at the magic show at my house with forty five. Seven-year-olds. <laughs> Certainly, yeah, I could do that. No problem. Uh, may I? Yes, you're Yes, right. thank you very much. So they, in the earlier discussion, and, and forgive me, between uh, employee evaluations and water today, I was a little tardy, and I'm sorry. Uh, the uh, In December, we passed the board calendar, which says agenda items do and gives a date of February 24th, 2017, for the next meeting. And it's all stipulated for the entire year here. So why don't we just use that? May I suggest that, Chair? I'm sorry, could you... So in December, we passed the Board of Trustees 2017 meeting calendar that not only stipulates the day of the meeting, but also stipulates when agenda items are due. So I'm suggesting to the Board we adopt that, if so, we could get those items in writing to you by that day for your consideration, sir. So, if we adopted it back then, we should use it. Well, not exactly because, um, yeah, um, no, it's, I don't think it's a done deal because, as I understood. I can put certain things on the agenda, um, but not all things. Some things are at the pleasure of the whole board. And so 
they have to be requested here. That's, she didn't say that. She said if board members request items, they should be put on the agenda. Whether they get accepted or adopted, that's at the purview of the board. But what she said is if it, the public requests an item or if a board member, it should be put on the agenda. Maybe not the next agenda, but a future agenda. And then what happens from there is up to the board. She did say that she did say it was a purview of the chair and the and the president whether that uh, suggested or requested item goes on the board. So I, I, we're not taking any responsibility away from. But that's what it. Yeah, I, I, that's what I had I to look at that. You know, I think you know we. It, Worthy of it, it gives you dates, times, all that stuff. President's office by the 8 a.m., 10 business days before the day of the board meeting. But we'll take a look at that and, and maybe we can decide next meeting if that's the appropriate um, calendar and uh, schedule. Anything else, Michael? I. Did out many of the, the activities of uh, my fellow trustees and uh, welcome tables, flex day, trustee conference. Uh, I'll be at the graduation tomorrow. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. I have a very brief report um, related to our um, conference. I think it was, it was uh, very educational as it should have been <laughs> but, and I think that I know we we have some sort of budget uh, for education for the board and I think we should uh, make every effort to if it's not the whole board that members of the board to use that to go to some of these other conferences that are available and if we can't send everybody we can send somebody that can back and certainly would benefit the rest of us. Um, so I think we should look at, at our budget and see what is coming up and see if we can get people there to help us continue our, our professional growth and uh, find better ways and more effective ways to work on behalf of the district and the college. Thank you. Well said. And with that, well, I guess we're going back to closed session, right? <laughs> no. No closed session. Uh, future meetings? March 9th. That. Wow, that is a uh, not a problematic day. Uh, but it is an anniversary day. I'm going to have to fix that with my wife. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you. And with that, we are adjourned. <laughs>